All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Xbox Two podcast, and this should be a uh, well. <laughs> I mean, angry, I guess. Uh, <sighs> disappointed, maybe disappointed is more of the uh, the tone that this show will probably be going for a little bit. Uh, I'm here, Randall Thor, nineteen, the man with the million, and with me, Blizzard fanboy. His heart is hurt. He's bleeding. He's not having the best of weeks. My BFF, Jez Corden, Windows Central in the house. Hi, Rand. I mean, yeah, it sucks, but it sucks way worse for everyone else who got laid off. So that's really where the, the, the thought process is right now. What a horrible, crazy week. And mm. another reminder of the horribleness of capitalism in general. But we'll be speaking about that in a bit. Yes. Um, and... Uh, it's not all going to be doom and gloom today, as much as it probably should be. But um, yeah, what a what a horrible week! <laughs> it's just been it's been one of them horrible, horrible, horrible weeks in the industry, and I think this is only the beginning. Sad to say, but hopefully there's better times ahead for everyone involved. Yeah, you know it's kind of funny. Last week everything was on the up and up. Xbox uh, Developer Direct looked really good. Some great games coming this this year with Hellblade 2 leading the pack in May. My most anticipated game of the year. Uh, and then, like, following a week, it's just like, oh, bad news. Here we go. I, I, I think, yeah. didn't you share the meme with me a while back? It was like, one week, it's like, here's this news. I was like, Xbox is back. We're over. And then, like, the Xbox next week, is Xbox is dead. Xbox is boomed. Yeah, and then yeah. the next week, Xbox is back. The following week, Xbox is dead. Yeah. It's just kind of this uh, up and down uh, roller coaster, roller coaster what, what, of emotions. What? And Jez yeah. is a very emotional boy. Jez is very emotional. I am. I am not emotional. I am hundred <laughs> percent rational all times. No emotion. In fact, I am basically a robot. I have no emotions. Mm. I'm emotionless. I am absolutely emotionless. But. Yes, it's Xbox Two episode three hundred and one. Three hundred one. Three hundred and one. Are you sure it's not three hundred and two? No, no. That la- last week was our three hundredth episode, which was uh, incredible. We've been doing this for almost seven years, three hundred episodes, and uh, this is now three hundred and one. So hopefully another seven years to come. Hopefully another seven years to come. What would the video game industry look like in seven years from now? On episode six hundred. Could you imagine? Could you even it'll forecast? All be, yeah, what it it'll, like? it'll be like all artificial intelligence games being played by artificial intelligence players, being reviewed by artificial intelligence game journalists, and then the rest of us are just sort of plugged into artificial intelligence, like the Matrix. I guess that's 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 yes. what it looked like, right? Uh, P P Yukamon, I guess Pokemon says at at least this podcast is a hundred percent retention rate for seven years running without firing anyone. That's true. That's very true. That's true. That is true. Yes, we haven't even we haven't even fired our graphic designer Sean LeBrie. I know <laughs> the one and only uh, Neo GameSpark. Um, man, he, Neo GameSpark's got to be loving it because he's got infinite wealth to play. So I know he's in his bag right now, and. Uh, he says, only time Jez gets emotional is if he's without Heinz beans. That's true. That's a fact. Man, I think, like, I don't, I've told this story a couple of times, but I've, I've become allergic to pulses after having an infection a couple of years ago. So 
I haven't been able to eat beans for a long time without getting really sick. So maybe that's just where all the down the downfalls started happening. Maybe he's completely right. Mm. Man. Tough times. Tough times in the, the world of the world of bean connoisseurs. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I sent out a tweet recently asking people what should be the next long game I play because I I think what it, what it, I didn't really I finished Prince of Persia, which was amazing by the way. I think we've talked about that now in like three episodes in a row, but I want to reiterate that Prince of Persia is amazing. Please play it because I don't think that game is going to sell very well, unfortunately. It should, but I don't know if Metroidvania sell well at all, really. Um, So I was like, okay, what do I want to play next? Because as much as I want to play like a dragon infinite wealth i have i've never played a yakuza game well actually i have tried playing an yakuza game and neo game spark's going to be upset with me about this but i tried playing yakuza zero a few years ago and i think i got to like chapter three and i just couldn't get into it so i stopped playing it right um mm-hmm. but then i i ended up getting like like a dragon which is the the game that came out a couple years ago and i it i got it early with the xbox series x right as part of like the review process we got a couple games and it was like okay well we you remember this jazz we microsoft sent us the xbox series x there was some games we could test out to go with some of the reviews and one of them mm-hmm. was like a dragon and i was like okay i'm yeah, gonna i'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna play like a dragon right it that, that's like the, t- that. the turn-based rpg one everybody says is great so i was starting playing it and i was enjoying it but i got to this thing where like it was a bug with the versions we had where it wouldn't load past like chapter three and it would just, it would be like, come back when the game's fully loaded and it would say on the door, I couldn't get into the door. It was like, and it was like, it said like a hundred percent, like basically it was waiting for it to be loaded, but it was already completely loaded. Right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so it was a bug and I had to wait, but then I never went back and play it because sometimes I just, that's just kind of how I am. And like I've always I have it installed and I always like was like I'll come back to this at some point. And then, you know, you look at the the beginning of this year and you got three bangers right off the bat, right? Prince of Persia, banger, 87 on Metacritic, right? Which is probably I'd give the game a 9 personally, but you know, an 87's pretty great. And then you got Tekken 8, a 90. People loving it. You know, and I like Tekken, but I don't like Tekken like I love Mortal Kombat, for instance. Um, and then, and then there's Infinite Wealth, the Like a Dragon game that was also like a ninety, and it's like, whoa, what is? There's all these games, and it's like, well, I need something to play, but I was like, I can't play Infinite Wealth because I haven't played Like a Dragon or any of the other Yakuza games. Uh, you know, and Cognito's telling me, no, think, just just play Like a Dragon and then play Man Without a Name. And then you can play that, and it's just like, but I also got to play Cyberpunk and Baldur's Gate, and yeah. So I put out that tweet. I was gonna leave it up to you guys about what should I, what should be my next long game, and I, I and the options were Cyberpunk, Like a Dragon, uh, what was the other one? Uh, Liza P, because I also kind of interested in playing that. And that game is fantastic. Final Fantasy VII Remake, because when Remake came also out, fantastic. When Remake came out, uh, I was halfway through the game on like chapter 9, and then Warzone hit. And me and my buddies got addicted to Warzone for like 300 hours. And I never went back to Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
So I was like, well, you know, we got Rebirth coming out here soon. Should I? But I, I was leaving up to the people. And obviously Cyberpunk won. So that's going to be the next long game I play. But there is a part of me that kind of is looking at like a dragon and being like, hmm, maybe I should delve into this, you know? So you're going to ignore the democracy? What do you? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm going to go with what the people suggested. I'm going to go with Cyberpunk. Okay. You, can't, as, you can't ignore the people. No, I know. I know the people. But I also, there is a part of me that it's like very much just like, man, I, may, I should also play. I need to play like a dragon at some point, you know? Yeah. I'll get, I mean, I'll get it around to it next. I want I want to do it too, but um, I've been playing uh, Persona 5. Mm, Rand. Perso- finally. Finally, yeah, huh? Yeah, I've, I've, put, I've put like another 12 hours into it the last couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, get in there slowly, 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 slowly. Because um, I've decided to skip this Diablo season rant. Why? <laughs> Why have you decided to skip Diablo season oh. three? <sighs> It's not very good. It's yeah. not very good. I, I mean, anyone who's paying attention will know there's a huge amount of drama about Diablo 3 this current season because it's really bad. It's got, like, these traps that kind of just interrupt the flow of the game. Like, Diablo's supposed to be about, you know, killing things really quickly and just doing loads of damage and, you know. And they've, they've added these dungeons where it's just like, okay, stop and wait for the trap to go away. It's like waiting for um waiting for an elevator or something. It's like like I'm it's so it's so bad. Like I can't for the life of me try I can't for the life of me work out why they thought this was a good idea. So everyone's mad and Diablo have said they're gonna change it. So wait. Bro, you just uh, died maybe. in your pal world footage. I just died. Some some I, dudes yeah, with guns just killed you. Did, you didn't tell me there was dudes with guns in this game. Did, did you not know this? I didn't know. Dude, World, I, haven't, I haven't. I haven't seen. I haven't seen anything from Pal World. Once people were like, "It's Pokemon with guns with Ark Survival elements." I'm like, "Oh, two things I hate." Okay, moving on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, I'll tell. Okay, then. Well, in that case. Well, I will tell. I will tell you my experience with Power World before we move on. Well, no, I mean, it- we'll we'll save we'll save the Power World stuff for a little bit later. This is still like the intro of the podcast. We were just kind of riffing a little bit, you know. Or riffing. I've been yeah, playing Power World as well, so I'll talk yeah. about that in a bit. Then. So Jazz isn't very happy with Diablo season three right now. Um, no, come and back, come at, back for season four. Ended. Yeah, Maybe and you know what's funny? You know what's funny? Oh, look, Miles Dampier, the dev, is in the chat. Look yeah. at him. Miles, Miles Dev PA. Miles this Dev PA. But you know what's funny? My tweet about what I should play next. So mm-hmm. many comments about Pal World. So <laughs> many comments. Yeah, dude. I, I think you should play Pal World because it's Pokemon, right? Which you hate. True. And it's crafting mechanics and that you hate. Uh-huh. Hunger and cold mechanics, which you hate. Uh-huh. And I want you to suffer. So this is like the ultimate game that makes you suffer. Right. This game is like pure torture to you. No? Yes. It, it would be, yes. Yes. But no, people, people no are like, story. why didn't you put this in the poll, Rand? I, I didn't put Power World in the poll because I knew it would win. I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. <laughs> people would have seen Power World in my poll and then they would have picked it just to spite me. And I would have been like, I'd have to play Power World, even though a couple of my buddies are playing it. My a couple of my buddies are pretty going in strong, but they love like that survival element stuff, and I can't, I just can't, I can't do survival element stuff. So this, 
officially has to retire Randall Trendy Gamer. I can no longer be the trendiest gamer if I'm not playing the most trending game of all time, Jez. So I think uh, we've well, you say. I think well, we've officially. I think we've officially come to the conclusion nope. that I'm not Randall Trendy Gamer. So nope, nope, nope. No, now you see, we actually had this discussion in the Xbox Two Discord. No, 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 no. Which no, you guys no. can join. Discord.gg forward slash XB2. We actually had this discussion about whether or not you're a trending gamer now because you didn't play Power World. But I always try and explain to people that I call you a trend trendy gamer, right? Right. You kind of like you're like a gamer hipster. Right? Oh, I'm a hipster now. Oh, you're Jesus. a hipster. So maybe maybe calling you a trending gamer was was like the wrong was it was like a misnomer. Maybe you should you should really be called the hipster gamer because sometimes you don't you refuse to play a game because it's popular and then it's like huh that game's too popular for me i've never said that in my life i only play artistic games that are like that are that are analogous to my amazing taste in books you know like a like like a like a hipster and a snob you know i'll believe so 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 power world is sort of like it's too popular to play, so you're refusing to play it for that reason. But I'm not refusing to play it because it's too popular. So that kind of goes out Just the listen. window, doesn't it? Mm, well, that's what you tell people. I mean, that's that's what I know. So Randall Trendy Gamer is dead. Mm, we'll, we'll say about that. Uh-huh. We'll say about that. Bro. You're the one playing Power World. You're the one playing the trending game. Well, I mean, I'm doing that for work, bro. I'm doing that for work. Oh, you're doing it for work. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm just doing it for work. I also played I played a bunch of trending games this <laughs> this week. I played Enshrouded, which kind of had its lunch ate by Power World, unfortunately. Enshrouded is like another survival game, but it's got like, it's got almost like a, Z- a heavy Zelda vibe to it. It's kind of like Valheim with a budget. So like, it's, it's kind of like Breath of the Wild meets hardcore survival game. You know, and it's people are really excited for this game, and it's doing pretty well on Steam. But I can't help but feel like it'd be so much bigger if it wasn't for Power World right now. Yeah. So I played a bit of Enshrouded, very, very good, very fun, very cool. Gonna play some more of that probably. I also played Bulwark and um, Falconeer Chronicles. I don't know if you've heard of this, but um, Falconeer, which is an indie game from uh, Tom Sala, um, was a sort of like a flying game. Where you fly around on a falcon and kill stuff, really cool. Um, he's made a city builder based on the same universe with a really interesting, intuitive, automatic city building feature, which is really addictive to use. Weirdly, it's like the most intuitive and addictive base building mechanic I've ever experienced. I've been playing that as well. You know, I like my base builders. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm the trending gamer now. You are. I guess you're You've just always the, been. You've always the hipster been. gamer. You're the hipster gamer. But anyways, I want to thank everybody for uh, being here for this episode 301 for the Xbox 2 podcast on this wonderful January 26th. Well, it's no longer freezing cold here in Chicago. So I think, was it last week? It was negative degrees here. Uh, maybe like, I think I think they said on the news it was like the longest streak of, the cold, the longest cold streak in Chicago history since like 96. And oh, wow. it was frigid or whatever. And in fact, like two weeks ago, we didn't have the show because the blizzard had started and my power was out. 
So this week we're it's it's a nice balmy forty two degrees outside in Chicago. What's that? What's that in real? I don't know what that is in real. You'd ha- you'd have to do the calculations yourself. But it's but it's nice outside. It's forty two degrees. Although it has been raining the last couple of days, so all the snow that was on the ground is essentially all melted now. So it's basically like that blizzard never happened. So if you guys can do us a huge favor, make sure you hit the like button, please, and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you who tunes in live as well as listens to this later on iTunes and Spotify and all the great places you can listen to podcasts. Um, but we do have a, we do got some, some housekeeping to do before we, uh, move on with the rest of the show. Uh, we have a sponsor, Jez, right? For this we episode. do indeed. And it is once again, the illustrious. Well, hold on. Tamalis Tamalis says you don't live in Chicago, Randy. You live in a suburb. I know. But the thing is, nobody would know where it is if I said where I live. I live like 30 minutes outside of Chicago. So I say Chicago. People know where Chicago is. I'm not going to be like, I live in this southern suburb of Chicago. Because people be like, where's that? It's like, it's literally, I live like 30 minutes outside of Chicago. 40 40 minutes depending on... Depending on traffic, like I can get to downtown pretty damn easily. You know what I mean. So for all intents and purposes, like yeah, I live in Chicago. I don't live in Chicago, but like I live in the southern suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. So I'm sorry because if I said where I live, one one, I don't want to say where I live because you never know with crazy people, right? Two, if I said it, nobody would know. So it's just easier to say I live in Chicago. I live 30 minutes away. You know. So there. Jeez. I do. I do this. I do the same thing. Like, no one knows my town, so I just say, yeah, I live in Birmingham. Yeah, Birmingham. And I don't even know what Birmingham is anyway, so it doesn't matter to me. Right? You're like, yeah, you live well, in Birmingham. American, I don't even education know. Si- American education system being what it is, I w- I'm not surprised about this. Right. <laughs> but anyways, continue. We, we, have, we have a sponsor for this, for the, for this episode. We have a, a wonderful testicular sponsor this week, Rand, from our lovely partners over at Manscaped. Yes. And they have a Valentine's Day message for all the lovely people in what chat. What is this accent going on here? I don't know, man. Are you it just t- kind of felt... It's, it's, like my Valentine's, fancy it's, my, it's my Valentine's Day upper accent. Upper class. Uh, it's, my, it's my Valentine's Day. It's my sexy Valentine's Day accent. <laughs> oh, my mean? lord. I don't know what that means. I don't even want to know what it means. But this week's podcast is sponsored by Manscaped. Roses are red. <laughs> Roses are red. Violets are blue. Trim your balls and your date will thank us too. What's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knocking. And Manscaped is the remedy for the love duct. The lo- are you going to be okay to get through this, Jess? Are you going to be yeah, all right? We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay. Is this, your, is, this, is this your Riz voice, by the way? Is this how you Riz your girlfriend? Is this how you Riz, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this how you riz uh, Jen when she comes over? Oh, God. Shut up. <laughs> this is, this, yeah, this is, that's Riz. That's what the kids say, right? The Riz, I got, yes. I got, I got, this is I your the, game, I got the right? Riz. Uh-huh. The, the, the Riz, yeah. So, Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. Man, I wish people would stop resing me in Overwatch so I can read this manscaped, manscaped ad read. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Are you a heartthrob, brand? Uh, no, I'm not. Oh. Neil Gamespark and Miles are, though. So. Yeah, true. So Neil Gamespark and Miles should buy Manscaped. 
And let's talk about the hero of the Valentine's Day. The Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This electric trimmer features skin-safe technology, guarding your vintage treasure against any grooming mishaps. It also comes with the brightest LED spotlight yet. It's brighter than your best romantic smile. Perfect for precise grooming, even in the trickiest of spots. Oh, and it's waterproof too, making shower shaves a breeze. For the best boxers, formulas, razors, cologne, and much more. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off and free shipping with code XB2. That's code XB2 in the checkout at manscaped.com. And check the description for more info. And thanks, Manscaped, for sponsoring this Valentine's Day episode of the Xbox Two podcast. Mm, the Xbox. How's that, Rock? I mean, it's how's pre- that? It's pretty good. Give me, give me a right. Give me a, give me a right in that ten for the ad read. Uh, it's one of your best, I think. It's one. Of, it's, oh, really? I, I thought it was. Oh. I don't know. What, what what do people think about about that one? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change up I'm gonna change up I'm gonna change up the accents I'm gonna start I'm gonna start practicing other accents and re, I'm just gonna start offending different countries. Maybe I'll do like a Scottish next week. And uh, <laughs> oh god no, oh god no, this is bad. This is a bad idea. We'll get mm. we'll get ourselves cancelled, bro. I start doing accents of different countries and get ourselves cancelled. I need to learn Rand's accent. Or maybe I'll just get an AI to do it. I'll just I mean, what I'll do is Maybe you could do that. I'll right? still I'll download your voice, mm-hmm. and then I'll try in a large language model to like to to do your voice, and then I'll make you do the podcast every week or the robot you. Captain That'd Crunch cool. says I'm not being honest. Oh, oh damn! I mean, damn, oh, that sucks. Damn, damn, that sucks. I'm I'm heartbroken, bro. Heartbroken. Yeah. So you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. If you want to look your best for Bruce. your lady friend or your guy friend, we don't judge. Um, you know. Use Manscaped, code XP2 at checkout. Get 20% off free shipping. A lot of things there you. you can use to make yourself sexier to the person who's attracted to you or who you are attracted to, you know? Spice up the love spuds. Indeed. Bob. Indeed. Uh, so we also have the wonderful people at patreon.com slash XP2. Uh, make sure you put in your questions. That thread has been up for a couple days now. Uh, we also have the shoutouts. So we're going to get through those right now. we got Thurgus, Holy Dark Death, Steve Stompy, Peter B., James Wiseau, Tricks Are For Trey, The Grannis The Bip, Battered Haddock, Army Dude, Army Dude, 52C, Ryan Kipple, Foreign Object, Mythic Marty, Moronic Donkey 99, Makazilla, Randathor 19, Silas, Eric Gregory, Elijah Vasquez, James Moore, Fantasticals, Halo Is The Goat, Katriox, Bright Tundra 1, Discarded Caboose, Justin Duell, Frank Mariano, PB Broking, Asa T and Madison, Grizzly Mofo OG, Governor Grimm, DZ Huffin, Wagerman, Achievement, The Scarecrow, 121, Darren Tropy, Prof JJJ, Ghostface Killer, and Wolfgang KPZ. Thank you guys so much for supporting what we do on the podcast. Um, Tuesday, we should be doing Xbox Ultimate. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, we do have, I think, what, two guests lined up for February, actually, for the first time. We're going to be trying to do more of... <clears throat> we know we've been talking about doing like two Xbox Two Plus Ones a month. But, you know, sometimes between... Jez's travel schedule and and like other you know the our guests you know because not everybody can do the 
the time or the day. It can be a little little hard to get uh, people lined up, but I think we actually have two lined up for February, so that should be pretty good. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for supporting us over there. And uh, yeah, Xbox Two Ultimate on Tuesday should be a pretty good one. I hope hopefully everybody enjoyed the episode with MVG Modern Vintage Gamer. I believe that is now live for everybody, right, Jazz, on your channel? Yeah, it's live up on my channel. Live up for Jazz's channel. So, uh, we have a member chat here from Silas for three months. It says, Rand, have you thought about adopting a dog? Uh. Yeah, yeah, because it's almost, we're getting, uh, I mean, it's not been a year yet since Shakespeare left us. Uh, have I thought I'm about it? Mm, there are times when I think about it. For sure, uh, there are times. I wanted to meet Shakespeare, bro. I mean, I know he, did, he. The only one he was able to meet was Cognito. Damn. And you know, when when he saw Cognito outside, he started barking. You know, and, and my, you know, Shakespeare was a huge dog, so when he barks, it's very loud and can be kind of. If you if you don't know him, you you might think like, oh man, he's gonna he's gonna attack me. But Cognito was a little wary of coming in the house, like because. Because Shakespeare could see him from the patio, and he was just barking at him. And then I open up the door, and Shakespeare's just like, you know, kind of like sits sits on his haunches. And then like Cognito comes in, and like Shakespeare's tail's just wagging, and just just wants to be petted. And you know, he gives him his paw, and they just kind of you know bonded a little bit. But yeah, the only one who got to meet him was um was Cognito when he came over. When did when did he come over? Is this just? it wasn't this pat was it? No, it was two summers ago. It wasn't this past year, but it was the year before. So 2022, when uh, he was in Chicago, he came over. But yeah, I mean, I've thought about it. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, when you go up, when when I finish the podcast, like normally, I'll be downstairs doing work. Doing, you know, that's kind of where I do everything I need to do. And when I would like head upstairs, like as soon as I would start heading upstairs, like he would know and he would be standing at the top of the stairs waiting for me to come up so I could like pet him and, you know, give him a treat or whatever. And sometimes when, you know, when you go up there and he's not there, it kind of gets you down. You just kind of remember like, oh yeah, Shakespeare used to be waiting for me like right here. You know what I mean? And then you think about that and you get like really sad. But I haven't actually given it... I mean, there's times where you think, like, oh, it'd be nice to have a dog. But then it's like, do I want to... Because we, 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 we had... You know, we've it's had, work, right? We've had three dogs work. in our life, right? We have had three dogs. Casey, which we had from a puppy. Uh, she was a mixed terrier, and we had her for 14 years. Uh, then we had Barnaby. We got from a puppy, like, when, when he was, like, three weeks old. And... You know, the end of his life wasn't great because he ended up getting cancer and it was just awful at the end. Like, he lost all of his fur. He really uh, couldn't so... walk because his paws were always bleeding and it was it was a very bad end. That is horrible. And then we, we, we rescued Shakespeare, who was already, like, four years old at the time because we didn't, I don't know, we didn't feel it was right to, like, get another puppy after we just had a puppy. So we wanted to, like, honor Barnaby's, like, memory, you know what I mean? And so we, like, rescued a dog who, you know, he could could have been killed. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, I sort of, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to really train another dog. I Because they're a lot of work. Dogs are, are a lot of work. And a cat. Yeah, I don't like cats. 
You don't like cats? I, love this, cats. I just don't. I don't know. I I don't want a cat. But I don't like them. I don't like cats. I, get- I didn't used to like cats until I met my girlfriend's cat. And oh. now I love cats. Now you love cats. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I just, I'm just a dog person, but maybe I'll get a dog eventually in the future, but not right now. Uh, Some humdrum. cats are jerks, My girlfriend's cat was so lit. Humdrum says, Xbox third party, now this, Firefill, Booty, and Stewart. Man, you want the whole team gone, huh? You want everybody gone. Damn. Humdrum's one I'm of those, he, he's very much like, everything needs to be exclusive, and if it's not, everybody needs to be fired, and all these layoffs, guess what? Everybody needs to be gone. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have a good picture of what's going on with that now. Maybe we can talk about it a bit later. I'm also kind of tired of the topic, but it's happening. It's happening. Yeah. So, I think we did say it. Uh, it move on. I think we said in the last podcast we weren't really going to talk about it until it actually happened or didn't happen officially. Yeah. Either way, I would say it's definitely happening. So, anyone who's got hopium or copium, like the Xbox isn't doing this. It's 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 happening. Like, not all games. It's going to be select games, of course. But it's happening. And um, other companies will do it too. Yeah. But there's no there's no reason to discuss it until it actually happens. So, yeah. So I don't know. Like, I, I, we don't, don't know when it will. But that's when we'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, nobody says, what's up, guys? Going to be a fun show today. It's always a fun show. Thanks for being here. Uh, Joe Repco, a.k.a. Flame, member 31 months. Says hello Xbox Two. I can't believe Xbox took the biggest W of 2024 with Power World, and then followed it up with a big round of layoffs. Sucks, man. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. You go from the biggest of highs to the lowest of lows. That's what happens. Yeah. Silas says, "Is Genbox 360 an ex of Jez?" Oh, oh, okay. Is Genbox ex- an ex-girlfriend, Jez? What's going on? She's just a really good friend. Oh, okay. me and Jen. We've, we went to school together. Oh, um, okay. All that kind of stuff. Went high school together. Me and Jen are super close. So. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Jay Foley says, Jezza Rand, do you have any updates on what's going on with the Fallout 4 Series X update? Have a good day, you two. I mean, I don't have any updates, but I would imagine, if I had to guess, you know, if I'm, put, if I'm putting my prediction hat on although not the prediction hat you guys think you know the tv show comes out april 12th which is still a couple months away i would hazard a guess that the update for the next gen version for fallout 4 will be around that time frame around the time of the tv show i'm really looking forward to that yeah because i mean i like starfield don't get me wrong, but I I really feel like it didn't have the staying power of a Fallout. It just didn't. Have, it didn't didn't have that. It didn't have fully what I was looking for from this kind of game. You know, like even even Elder Scrolls has more violence in it. <laughs> so like I, the combat just got stale for me. You know, and it's fine that it got stale for me because I put like two hundred hours into it. You know, but I put like four hundred hours into a Fallout, and God knows how many hours I put into Skyrim. So I'm like, I'm hoping Fallout, I'm looking forward to Fallout, because I never did Fallout 4's DLC. Okay, so you I never, didn't do Far Harbor, that. right? No, I didn't, and everyone said that was great. So right. I'm looking forward to experiencing some of this stuff. Be like a new game for me, so yeah. I'm really I've never played that. Fallout 4. I didn't play it. Uh, I know it came no. out the same day as Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I always, I did find it weird 
that because Microsoft had the marketing for Fallout 4, and then they also had the exclusivity of Rise of the Tomb Raider. If you remember, I'm sure you do remember the clusterfuck that was the Rise of the Tomb oh, Raider exclusivity yeah. talk at the yeah. time. Uh, it's cra- it's cra- it's so crazy that everyone was mad. In hindsight, in hindsight now, how fucking weird and crazy was it, it was- that everyone was so mad about Tomb- Rise of the Tomb Raider being exclusive? And then all that's happened since then. How weird does that I mean, it's not... It's, it, it, I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily classify it as weird. It was just a bunch of entitled people being like, what do you mean I can't play the game that I want to play on my console? It's no, almost... But I mean, like, even from the media and stuff. Oh, yeah, well, like, the media, a, a, after, totally. After the way the industry's well, remember, trended now, remember the it's Xbox really strange. Because the media hated the Xbox One. The media presented Xbox as a joke, Right. And but people really liked Tomb Raider at the time. Like Tomb Raider, mm. the reboot. I think the first one came out in 2013 on the Xbox 360, PS3, right? Like before the new consoles. And then here's Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I believe was, I believe wasn't on the 360. I believe it was an Xbox One exclusive, right? Wasn't on but, past yeah. generation. Um, I don't mm. think. No, I don't think it was. And people, and it looked really good, right? Like. And people were devastated. The media was like, "How could this be? How this isn't this isn't right?" And the, the first like first questions as so when is this coming to PlayStation? <laughs> you know, so much so that like Xbox had to give PR, and then Square Enix had to give PR, and all these weird responses that you've never ever seen ever again from any journalist asking questions about any of like Sony or Nintendo's exclusivity deals. So when's when's it come? You know, you never heard like with, with Final Fantasy VII remake or for Spoken or whatever. So when's this game coming to Xbox? You know, but but for whatever reason, the media just had it out for Xbox in that time frame, and they were just not having this whole, you know, Tomb Raider exclusivity bit, right? But I d- I did find it weird that like here's the game that you had marketing for with Fallout Four, releasing on the same day that you have this exclusive Tomb Raider. You know, you think maybe you would sort of break that up a bit or whatever, but I ended up playing Tomb Raider, and then I never, I never went back to Fallout Four. But then, judging from what people talk about Fallout Four afterwards, uh, it's like maybe I dodged a bullet. I don't know because when you ask people about Fallout Four, some people will tell no. you it was great, and then some people tell you it was I, shit, dude. So it, it's 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 Fallout Four is weird, right? Because in terms of role playing, in terms of story role playing. It was a big step down. Like, none of your decisions really matter, or very few of them matter. However, it did have really great characters, and the combat is fantastic, and the base... I mean, I know you don't care, but the base building mechanics was really cool as well. And it has these, like, spectacular set-piece moments, which sort of elevate the experience. But, like, a lot, a lot of people say it's, like, the worst Fallout, Fallout game, you know? It's, like, it's a great sort of almost... <laughs> I hesitate to say this, but Far Cry-ish game, you know, where it's like the emphasis is really on the shooting and the spectacle, not so much the role playing. So I gave it seven out of ten when I reviewed it. Mm. So you like Starfield I, better? I yeah. Well, it's it's weird, right? It's weird because when I at the time when I reviewed Fallout Four, it was sort of like it was just at launch and it was a bit buggy compared to. To what's I've Starfield was polished compared to Fallout 4 at launch, but um, 
but yeah, I did. It left a really sour taste because of that, the story stuff. But I think like when you, I think Starfield has a better story, and I felt like a lot of my decisions mattered more in Starfield. The combat in Fallout Four was just better overall because of the violence. Mm. So, but I can't give a game a whole point for violence, maybe, or detract points from Starfield for not having violence because that's just a that's just a me thing, right? I mean, you you told me that you didn't care about it having violence or not, which I... is why I didn't I didn't hold that against the game. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you were very much like, I need gore. And I was like... It's about okay. it's about the impact that the guns make. If I hit someone in the face with a shotgun, there should be some feedback. There should be some feedback, bro. Mm. I don't know. That's a, that's, a, that's a tangent, but whatever. Anyway. Anyways. What's next, friend? Yes. Anyways. So that's, so that's one, you know, I expect the Fallout stuff to kind of coincide with the TV show. Uh, maybe at the start or maybe when it finishes, maybe people, I don't, if the show's bad, maybe it won't matter too much. But if like the show's good, people might, and we've seen it with other shows that are, that have a game related content, maybe not so much with Halo, but we definitely seen it with Last of Us where it was like a good TV show does draw people to play a corresponding video game in the series, right? And the first trailer for Fallout looked like it was going to be something really cool. I'm really interested in checking it out when it hits on in april so and there's and considering like we've talked about before about 2024 being a light year for games well i guess depending on your preference like if you're loving jrpgs maybe it's not a light year in the beginning of the year right because you have infinite wealth and you have persona 3 reloaded and you got final fantasy 7 rebirth so you're eating good but if you're not into that and maybe it's a little bit you know, a little bit on the, the drier side in comparison to last year. So someone for, like me, who's like going to be delving into their backlog, might be like, you know what? Look, Fallout 4 does have a, a next-gen patch, even though you could have used the mods to get it to 60 or whatever. Like, maybe, maybe it's like, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll finally get around to playing Fallout now because I have the time instead of all these games that are constantly hitting. Because when you look at, like, last year, it was like, Man, it was just like game after game after game, and it was high quality game too. It wasn't just like, you know, bad game. It was like here's a great game, and here's an amazing game, and here's a standout game, and here's a really good one, and here's a really fun one. It was just constant, you know. So, yeah. Um, let me get back to. I dropped the thing here. What was this? Okay, we have a. Uh, Senior Bean saying says Halo Season Two looking good. Excited? Question mark. Yeah, you know, the, I've seen Pablo do a lot of PR for, for Halo Season 2, uh, condemning the love scene between him and that con- Covenant lady. Uh, you know, he said that was a mistake, and then saying how basically Season 2 is way better. They got rid of the showrunner and a bunch of writers, and all the trailers does make it seem like this is the Halo show everybody wanted. I ended up not watching Season 1, but, you know, if... If the reviews come out and all the people I trust in the community come out and are, who are who who told me nah it's not worth watching Halo season one because it's bad it's bad show right uh, but if those same people are like yo they did it Halo season two is you know amazing 
then yeah, I'll go. Have you watched any of the new trailers for the Halo? I know how much you love Halo, Jez. Have you well, seen yeah, any I, of the tra- I, I seen told, any of this stuff? Well, dude, I told this story before. Like when when um I was in a pub a few years ago when the first season came out. When was it? Last year, the year before? Um, the Halo TV it show. I think it was two years ago. I think. So I was in a pub, and there was like there was people at the table behind me. They were talking about the Halo TV show and how good it was. Uh, but they were all saying, like, we haven't played the game. <laughs> so it's kind of like they liked that Halo TV show as people who hadn't played the games. And I kind of feel like that's where, the, that's where the, the balance and the needle is difficult to thread when you're trying to make something for TV versus the fans. And, like, it's kind of like what the, the, the actor's name, I can't remember his name. We'll just call him Special Nick. The, spe- the special Nick mm, actor okay. who plays hi- uh, Master Chief because he looks just like Special Nick. It's really weird. Um, uh, he was saying that um, people wouldn't engage if he kept his helmet on all the time, you know, because pe- people are annoyed that he takes the helmet off because Master Chief never takes his helmet off or we don't see him take his helmet off or whatever. Um, and then people were, people were saying, like, well, look at the Mandalorian, you know. Um but I think, like, at the same time, everyone knows the Mandalorian's mask or the helmet, right? I mean, does, is Master Chief's helmet that iconic and ubiquitous outside of American gamers? I don't know if it is, man. Not in the same way as, you know, the, the Boba Fett iconic mask or whatever. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's not really the point I wanted to make. The point I wanted to make is that, like... Trying to thread the needle between what gamers want, what producers think is the best, and also the the casual audience who doesn't play Halo, never played Halo, and probably never will play Halo. How do you thread that needle, right? Maybe if it was like a mega franchise, you know, like a Star Wars, then you can get away with sort of doing things a little bit different um, because the brand alone will carry it. Or Pokemon, for example, you know. Obviously, Pokemon's been on TV a ridiculous amount. But I've been watching this Pokemon stop-motion cartoon recently. <laughs> I've seen it on Netflix. They did a stop-motion Pokemon cartoon series, which is really cute and really endearing. And um, it's kind of like they, they can play around with that stuff because it's such a big franchise and you don't have like an army of mega fans who are just like, oh, every single detail has to be perfect and flawless. But... It's not realistic to get everything right, but I suppose we'll see, man. I mean, he's, they've said they've they've said things that they agree were wrong, like Master, Master Chief getting getting it on. Mm-hmm. That's re- that feels wildly out of character for Master Chief. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, and I I ain't a big Halo guy, but I just it's not it's not Master Chief, and it's you know I just it's that that was just weird. Like it's like. It's almost like the the kind of that we have to put this in to prove we're a mature adult rated show, you know, um, which is just you know ridiculous. But <clears throat> hopefully the next season's better, and hopefully it bodes well for the future of. You yeah, know, it's coming soon. I believe it's February sixth or February eighth. So season two begins on Paramount Plus, which I think they said was their one of their best performing shows. So even though season Season one was panned by fans, but it was a it good had, performance show. It, yeah, like it had decent reviews from critics, two. and it performed well. So, yeah, 
That's it, what I'm talking about. Like there wouldn't be a season two if it wasn't performant. Yeah. Um, well, but especially if it, in today's before, times of like. But now imagine really... if it's actually good and the fans like it, the critics like it. You know, more people probably check it out and watch it, and then you can keep on going. And have, they haven't even gotten to Halo yet. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I think I think they're doing the fa- uh, Fall of Reach storyline this season. So they haven't even done. Hmm. It, it hasn't even really been a season on Halo, which is you know the game. Maybe you get there in season three. Maybe you get there in season <clears throat> four. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, the Reach storyline is fantastic and turned into. Is a, that? There's no. There's, has there been any flood in it yet? I'm guessing no, right? I don't think so. I'm going to watch the Halo show, man. I'm going to watch... The, I'm not a huge Halo guy, so I'm going to watch the Halo show as a guy who doesn't care about Halo, and I'll tell you what I think. Okay. We'll do that next week. Yeah. Okay. How long is it? How many episodes? It I think it's long, eight right? episodes. Oh, that's easier. I, I think I, maybe episode. like eight eight or ten. I, it's, it's weird, because it used to... You know, I remember watching Lost, and Lost was 20 episodes... Or like you know, like shows on the the big networks back in like the two thousands or whatever. It's like twenty four episodes, and then like the Netflix model came in and it was like twelve was kind of the target, and then it was ten. Like now you still get episodes that are like around ten, but I just watched Reacher season two, which wasn't as good as Reacher season one, and that's like eight episodes. Um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a lot more forgiving than a lot of people when it comes to media adaptation because, you know, I, I just kind of like I just kind of get how difficult it is to sort of get the audience on both sides to enjoy it. I mean, The Witcher show was like the the weirdest one because you have fans of the books, you have fans of the games who aren't even aware there is books. True. And then and then you've got to also make a TV show at the same time. Like the fact that they were able to, and the to people make that running work. the Witcher TV show hated the books and hated the video games, so yeah, reported and thought they yeah, were be- f- thought they were they could do it better than the author, right? I was just more talking about how we went from TV shows that used to be twenty episodes in length to essentially you know ten episodes, eight episodes, like The Bear, which just won the best uh, Emmy for best you know comedy TV show, and is one of if not the best TV show uh, around has uh, eight episode seasons and one of like one of the modern sci-fi classics three body problem uh, is getting an adaptation at Netflix starting in March. And I believe that's going to be like six episodes or eight episodes. So I it's just weird to go from, you know, 24 episodes for a season to like only six, but then, but now everything yeah. takes longer, right now. But t- do, I'll l- tell you something, right? That is, that has been the historical standard in Britain. Six episodes. Yeah, That's but you six episodes of like an hour and a half though, right? No. no. Six episodes, 30 minutes. When I was growing up, that's what TV was like, you know. And then I remember the f- when I watched House. I watched House um, because Hugh Laurie was in it. And I love Hugh Laurie from his British stuff that he did. And um, I was like, oh, everyone's talking about House. And I was, I was shocked. First of all, how many seasons there were already, and second of all, how damn long each episode was. Mm. And um, that was back when I used to watch a lot of TV shows while grinding mines in World of Warcraft and being unemployed. Um, but that's that kind of stuff was alien to me. It's like the very American thing, like like X Files too. Like, bros, these episodes are long, man. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I mean, long episodes are great. I, I, I'm just kind of lamenting how you could count on a TV show to happen every season. Right, Every year there'd be a new season of the show and it would be 20 episodes. And now it's like, all right, Wheel of Time, uh, eight episodes and... Y- you know, we, we it aired in 2023, see you again in 2025. It's not even like every other, it's not even every year, it's like every other year at this point. Yeah. You know, which, yeah, uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of that, but either way. Uh, thank you, Windows XP, for the super chat, no message. Equinox says, hello friends, I'm from Morocco. Especially on hey. your podcast, Jez, I hope you'll convince Rand to play Pal World. Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll, yeah. we'll do like, when I... Well, I'm kind of holding off on playing Power World Hardcore because I'm waiting for dedicated servers. So maybe when I get dedicated servers, we can convince Ryan to play and make an Xbox 2 dedicated server that we can invite everyone to from the Discord. Right. I think that'd be cool. And then then Ryan has no choice but to play. Achievement says the media hates Xbox so much they can't talk about Power World and Xbox together. It's all PC. If it was PlayStation exclusive, that's all they would be talking about. So you know I, what? I'm kind of I'm kind of liking it actually. Do you know why? Why? You mean you like the right. game or I mean, you liking the discourse? No, I, I like I'm liking the fact no the discourse that a lot of those a lot of websites are boycotting the game or whatever. A mm. lot of journalist media websites. I'm loving that fact because we're mopping up all the traffic. I don't know if you've seen how many power guys. I think you, the you sent me that meme someone made where it was like, "Was Pal Central now with you with the machine gun?" Yeah, 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 yeah. So someone in someone in Windows Central, oh, I think it was Jen actually. <laughs> they made they made a meme of like the the Power World pals in like a, a factory sweatshop, and then photoshopped me in there saying, "Oh, we're Power Central now," <laughs> like forcing everyone to work. But, yeah, uh, so yeah, it's been it's been amazing for traffic. So uh, since we're uh, on the subject of Power World, I suppose we'll talk about it, right? Because this is kind of extending into last week. Into this yeah. week, uh, probably. Yeah. Well, so some good news before we get to the bad news, I guess. Um, yeah. So, Pal World has taken the internet and gaming by storm. Nobody could have predicted this, right? It was a game that I think I've seen it in trailers a couple times. It was like the Pokemon ripoff that everybody talked about, and it finally released last week. I think on Thursday, maybe Wednesday night, and literally just became the biggest thing on Steam ever. Right, like passed up Hogwarts Legacy concurrent numbers and Cyberpunk and Elden Ring. Like every single day you would tune in, it would be higher and higher and higher to the point where I think it's like the number two all time uh, passed up CSGO. Like I think it maxed out at 2 million concurrent players on Steam. Uh, And like every day you would look on their Twitter and it was just like another million, right? So I think uh, their last update was a couple, was. Not necessarily yesterday. Maybe it was yesterday, but it was like 8 million in six days. 8 million copies sold only on Steam, too. They weren't given any Xbox numbers. Um, 8 million on Steam in six days, which is like eye-boggling. 
Uh, right? It is. I, why aren't they giving the Xbox figures? I don't know. But we, is we, that Microsoft's proprietary information or something? Potentially. Permission? Potentially. I don't. I don't know why they're not giving any of that. Um, but we do know that it's doing pretty well on Xbox as uh, as well. Uh, Matt Piscatella had shared something where he basically said, "Hey, on the twenty second, the uh, daily you know user count of Pal World exceeded that of Fortnite's, and that the average playtime of a Pal World uh, you know session was like two hundred minutes or something." This is this is early access too. We're, we're access. witnessing, yeah, we're witnessing the birth of a new uh, the next Minecraft. You Are know, we this, you never Sorry, know. What? You never you never know about like the longevity of sets. No, no, right? no. You know I'm, what I mean? I, I'm I'm t- I'm convinced. You're convinced. Okay. This game, this game will have huge longevity. It'll have a huge amount of legs. Like you can keep adding new Pokemon to it, pals, whatever. I keep calling them Pokemon. They're Pokemon, and we'll get into the discourse around that in a minute. <laughs> but um, they keep adding new pals. They can add new land masses. They can add new guns. They can add more stuff. They can just keep it going and going and going in perpetuity. Microsoft's helping uh, with the server stuff, and you know, Microsoft obviously has a huge opportunity there as well to you know maybe lock that down. I doubt they will, but um, as of right now, it's kind of like it, it's a that's such a huge win. It's a huge coup Dude, for it's- Xbox. Whoever, whoever, whoever Xbox landed that game needs to be some like promoted or something. But um, I think I think it is the birth of the next big thing. I really do. I don't think this is a fad. I think it's going to stick around unless Nintendo sues <laughs> <laughs> them into oblivion. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. But so it's doing amazing on Steam, right? Uh, it's doing pretty damn well on Xbox. Though we don't have the numbers. All we have is kind of Matt Piscatella's information but we do know that it's like the most popular game to, on game pass for sure uh we've seen those charts the, i'll just check i'll just check the list now on on the, on the uk store the, mo- the most most play I, I don't think game preview games show up in most played games though so i don't think you'll I see think it in not. that chart yeah all oh, right yeah oh uh, that's what wait what i'm pretty last is a top top paid game in the uk right now not Why like top that? paid i was talking about top played but either way uh yeah. it's doing <laughs> This is the thing, like, because like even with the Insomniac leaks we had uh, a, a while back, it was like Spider-Man Two, you know, three hundred million dollar budget sold like five million in eleven days, and all this marketing. Spider-Man, the most, one of the most, I should say, most recognizable IP on planet fucking Earth, right? Five million in eleven days for Spider-Man. And here's yeah. a game that probably had no marketing budget at all. Yeah. It's made by 15 people, you know, not like the, in the Insomniac team in, in, in San, you know, wherever they're located in, I think California or wherever their offices are. 15 people. <laughs> Who knows oh. how the budget for this game? Probably, I mean, how, what do you think the budget for this game is? 10 million, maybe? 15 million, if even? If Fif- that. 15 Didn't people. I say that- didn't they say they found their weapons designer in randomly in a restaurant or something Something like that and no marketing they took a game pass deal because i mean you know they hey we want to make sure that at least we can make more games take the game pass deal uh early access which by the way nintendo and i don't think playstation they don't like it's kind of like an xbox exclusive by default because playstation doesn't allow early access games on their on on the ps5 like they don't 
It's like one of the reasons why like PUBG was exclusive for a year to Xbox is because yeah. PlayStation doesn't allow early access. So here's a game in early access. And there's like, here's the Game Pass deal, and suddenly it's they're the... Gonna, they're going to start allowing it after this, I bet you. It's the biggest thing in gaming. It's the biggest thing right now in video games, period, right? And it's just like, this kind of... What made me think of was uh, some of the FTC leaks, that Phil Spencer email that talks about... Seven million budget, seven million dollars. Seven million dollar budget, and the game sold eight million copies in six days. I don't know if it's at nine million yet. Uh, we don't know what their Game Pass deal is. I'm sure they probably have clauses in there for like time played, which they're probably f- destroying. So they're probably going to make a pretty pretty damn uh, hefty uh, haul off of their Game Pass stuff and all the other things that kind of go along with it and whatever sales on Xbox, right? Um, but it, it sort of reminded me of that Phil Spencer email from the FTC leak where he talked about like how the big publishers... Uh, really, they they used retail as a moat to protect themselves. Uh, like you know their their retail uh model as like you go to the store and you see the big games, right? But mm-hmm. basically, the democratization of the digital store. Now you have Spider Man Two, and you have Alan Wake Two. And you have all these high-budgeted AAA games on these store shelves next to these really small indie projects, right? And we've seen a lot of the big big games in recent years sort of come from uh, indie studios. And here's an example of it. $7 million budget game, no marketing anywhere, and it's the biggest thing in gaming. Going so as far as to outsell bigger games with much more marketing and a fraction of the time. It just really kind of hit home was like, yeah, that is true. Like the retail model really helped uh, protect the publishers back in the day. And then once that was gone, they really haven't, uh, they they use like the money that it would take to build these big AAA games as their moat and the licenses and stuff. But, and, but then here's a game, uh, just come out of nowhere and just basically destroy all that. And <laughs> I, and it's incredible. Like, as much as like the idea of this game doesn't appeal to me, like Pokemon, something I don't like, Ark, Survival, something I don't like, I am impressed by the success. I just look at it it's oh. like, damn, look how crazy this is doing. Every single day, a new million you know, sales, and then what it's doing on Xbox, it's like, holy crap, this wasn't supposed to be like this, right? Nobody was really talking about Power World in this way. Um like they are with other big games, and it's just, you know, second biggest game concurrently ever on Steam, right? I, that This is something, like, every game wishes for, right? It's, I don't know. I think it's an incredible success story. Um, and I know there's been a talk that Xbox should acquire the studio, although, like, you know, talking about acquiring studios after Microsoft just laid off 1,900 people is probably, like, whatever but i i have seen people say like xbox should should lock it down or xbox should uh extend the deal i I think you did tweet that the one of the issues with the game is that the versions are mismatched but then xbox is helping out with that right yeah so yeah the the version of power world is a couple of patches behind and also um the team didn't really have the networking knowledge or the capacity to bridge steam and the xbox ecosystems at the moment but xbox is 
on the case, right? Essentially. So you you've played the game, right? We we have footage here yeah. of you playing in in your stream for like two hours or whatever. How how you how you feeling about this game? And we'll get into so, the other other Nintendo shenanigans and the death threats and all the other lovely yeah. discourse surrounding Pal World. So let let's put the discourse aside and mm-hmm. the Pokemon aspect of it to one side and talk about it purely as a game, right? So purely as a game, when you set them any sort of nostalgia or IP stuff, you know, discourse, we're going to talk about that in a minute. When you put that to the side, it's, it's, it's like, it's well made, right? And overall, it's still very early accessy, which I think is why people forgive its shortcomings because they're, they're unashamedly early access. Textures aren't amazing. The audio is... Uh, the, uh, the, by the way, this is spe- speaking strictly about Xbox. I haven't experienced the Steam version of the game. So, like, my experience will differ slightly from yours. The audio is messed up. Uh, it's crackly and weird. And there's a lot of... The texture, textures are awful <laughs> in some places. And, um, you know, the animations are weird. And pathing is insane in some cases and there's, there's a game has a lot of issues but it, again it's unashamedly early access the one thing that it didn't do on me is crash so it at least has that going for it didn't wipe my progress like um you know again Baldur's gate did so um it has that going for it as well so like all the sort of core elements of what make the game functional are there and present right um so but the I think Don Attackus says in chat summed it up really well. It's a well-designed game, but it's not a well-made game yet because it does have all these polish issues and pathing stuff and all this kind of stuff. But conceptually, the game is brilliant. And it kind of like, what it does is it streamlines a lot of the pain points that are present in Ark and are present in Conan Exiles, which are the closest games comparable. I haven't played a huge amount of Ark, but I have played quite a lot of Conan Exiles because you had ragdoll penises in it, which I thought was hilarious. Um, Excuse me? So I play... <laughs> Pause? So, so, What's going on? So, sorry. What? What? What What? what I say? I don't, I don't know. It's something about ragdolls? Ra- ragdoll penises, bro. What? Conan Exiles. Look, okay. I thought it was hilarious that Conan Exiles had ragdoll penis physics that were banned in America, but weren't banned in Europe. So I was like... I'm going to experience these European ragdoll penis physics. So you played in... Conan to experience dicks? Yes. Ah. Yes, I did, Ran. Were they physical, physical dicks? dicks. Yeah. Physical dicks, yes. Okay. And, um, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. So I played Conan Exiles quite a fair bit, and which is, which again, was a, was a good game. I played it quite near to launch. But again, it adds some of this kind of janky kind of issues and all these kind of jank stuff. I don't know if... Jank feels to be like just a par for the course with these kind of games for some reason. But um what it does really well is like it, it blends that kind of the um the uh the Pokemon aspect of it, the capturing the little cute monsters. It sort of it it blends that with the survival gameplay so well. So like you, you can capture the pals, and like in Conan Exiles, Conan Exiles you have thralls. Which you can like, you can capture capture NPCs and make them work in your base, you know, and enslave them basically, like per per the Conan law and universe, right? Um, but Powell does a kind of similar thing, but it's just super intuitive. 
you basically capture the pals, you put them in a Pokeball, and then you install the Pokeball in your base, and they just automatically start working, start doing stuff intuitively. So, like, if there's, like, something needs to be crafted, they'll do it. If something needs to be harvested, they'll do it, if they've got, like, the, the pr appropriate skill. And that's where some of the management comes in. It's like, I need this Pokemon to do that, and that Pokemon to do this. They automatically start tending your farms. So some of the some of the tedious stuff in, in like, a survival game, you hand that off to your pals, whereas, it like, in Pokemon, and this is something Pokemon fans have complained about for years, with Pokemon, you get your Pokemon, you stick them in the box, and then you never see them again. You never touch them. Like, I pay, I pay a subscription to Nintendo Rand. I pay a subscription for Pokemon Home which is a cloud storage device okay. for your Pokemon, right? And I pay Nintendo, I think it's like, I think it's, it's not a lot of money. I think it's like $20 a year. I pay Nintendo to store Pokemon that I've had for decades in their cloud servers, so I never lose them. And I've, that's a tax I will have to pay for the rest of my life, right? But those Pokemon are just sitting there in a box doing nothing. Whereas in this... You, the Pokemon work on your farm. They 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 protect your base. They they do all this kind of stuff. Your base can get raided, like random random monsters will come and attack your base, and then your Pokemon will just sort of like fight back. And there's like a little army war kicking off. Like all these sort of concepts work really well, and they they work they do it so well, you know. And the thing is, I've tried to do this in Minecraft. I've tried to achieve some of these things in Minecraft where, like, you build a base, and you can get raided in Minecraft too since the Illager update, but, like, I've tried to, like, I tried to do things where, like, I want to I wanna have a populated town in Minecraft, and I don't know if they've, they've improved this or changed this in Minecraft to make it easier, or maybe I was just doing it wrong, I don't know, but, like, in order to get, in order to get the villagers where I wanted them in Minecraft, it was like this huge uphill battle where I had to sort of kite a zombie to where I wanted wanted the villager and then use an item to convert, use a rare item to convert the villager, in the, the zombie villager, into a regular villager. And then, like, the next time I logged on, the villager had disappeared. Like, he'd been killed by a mob or something. I don't know. But, like, so... So it kind of streamlines that sort of whole fantasy of having a little base, a little army of dudes doing your bidding. It streamlines that whole process. And kind of a lot of the a lot of the features in Pokemon that people want to see Nintendo do and people have asked them to do like building a base because there was a Pokemon game on Game Boy which did let you have a base. And there there was like um there are Pokemon games that let you ride some of the Pokemon and stuff. But it's it's off, it's so often that you just stick the Pokemon in a box and forget about them. Whereas in this, they're a huge part of the gameplay loop. So there's so much stuff in this game that is really well designed, and like people people in the media and even other game devs aren't giving it credit for the stuff that it does well. Man, a lot of the stuff that it does really well, they just um, they aren't giving it credit. So. Um, yeah, that's my kind of experience with Power World, with putting to side all the rest of the stuff. It's like, it's a super well-designed game. I think the game's going to have legs. I don't think it's a fad. I think, like, when they do these updates, 
and they they polish it up and then they start adding new content to it new pals new bosses new dungeons because there's there's all these other aspects to it as well there's like dungeons there's like bosses you know boss battles big boss battles huge pals you can capture all these kind of there's ex, all these extra layers that you discover more and more as as you play um the game's got serious legs man and yeah the discourse surrounding it though is sort of taking the shine off the game a little bit how aware of you are how aware of the discourse around pal world are you ran i mean dude tell, so, and if so you are, te- point, tell us about it so tell much to the point the that i had to mute the word pal world on twitter or x <laughs> because it, i know we talked about before that the starfield discourse was maybe one of the weirdest ones i'd ever seen for a game right mm-hmm uh, how even it was used to comparing it to like other games of the genre. And it was just kind of used as SEO bait for a, a lot of, a lot of art articles and stuff. And it was just this weird, uh, this weird game that had this weird fascination surrounding it about the reviews and the score. I even saw like Jason Schreier talk about this in his article where he like blamed the, high score of the Metacritic on Xbox fan websites on Metacritic, which was like very weird. You know what I mean? Like, like Starfield discourse was just on another level. I thought until Mm -hmm. pal world happened. And (laughs) I think pal world takes the cake because you have this game and it's like a combination of all these things. It's a game that, you know, with accusations of AI, right? So people are like, they used AI to make this game or make parts of this game or make parts of the pals. And then you have the Pokemon stuff where it's like a lot of this is just Pokemon. And a lot of the designs are pretty eerily similar to some of the Pokemons, right? So you get the Pokemon fans and Nintendo fans upset, right? Um... And then you you have it being super successful to the point like beyond Hogwarts Legacy and Cyberpunk and all these other games, and it, it coalesces into this. I'm I don't know like I've never seen so many game journalists or even some developers show their ass on a game like this before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about like people were saying you shouldn't play this because of the AI aspect, which. There's even some talk that some of those uh, claims against it were fabricated uh, or whatever. And then there's the whole Pokemon aspect uh, of the game where, like, where, like, Nintendo fans were upset that they were essentially ripping off Pokemon. And I, I, to the point of, like, death threats, where, like, the community manager for the game or or the developers of the game had to come out and say, no, there are no death, death threats from Xbox, PlayStation, or PC users, but he didn't put Nintendo users in there. (laughs) Like, I don't know if that implied (laughs) Nintendo users did send death threats about this game. And then, you know, so there were a lot of journalists basically being like, you're going to get sued by Nintendo or whatever. And then the summer journalists like, you can't play this game. It's AI and all this sort of stuff. And then like Pokemon finally said something. Um, They released a, they released a statement that it was there uh, confirming an investigated investigation into if a game, they wouldn't even mention the, the game infringed on its IP rights. Quote, we have received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in January of 2024. 
We have not granted any permission or the use for the use of the Pokemon intellectual property or assets in that game. We intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on intellectual property rights related to the Pokemon. We will continue to cherish and nurture each and every Pokemon and its world and work to bring the world together through Pokemon in the future. And then, you, so you have this, right? And people are cheering like, yeah, get them, sue them. Uh, but to me, the statement's more like, stop telling us about this game. Right? They literally lead it off with, we have received many inquiries regarding another company's game. To me, it's just like, yeah, we know about this game. Please stop emailing us and adding us on, on X. To be like, get them, right? And, and then on top of it, like, you know, you have the recent Pokemon games that are... Rosh. I mean, you, you said it, not me. I mean, I, you, know, you know how I, I, I spoke about Pokemon Sword, the only one that I've ever played. And I said that game was one of the worst games I've ever had the misfortune of playing in my entire life. So I'm not a fan <laughs> of Pokemon. And this is but a multi... I've, I've said... I've... I've said it before and I say it again. The only thing carrying the modern Pokemon games is pure nostalgia. Nostalgia. Yeah. Right? Nostalgia. So, and I, I have 300 hours in Sword and Shield. Like, I looked, I looked at the Metacritic for Sword and it's like an 80. And I'm like, how's this game an 80? This game is awful. It's awful in every way imaginable. Uh, to me, it, I'd give the game like a 40, right? But, like, they never improve and they never get better. Every single release is basically the same problems. And here you have, you know, a, a a game similar with similar concept, although different gameplay, for seven million dollars, and it does so much, so many things better than Pokemon's ever done. But they're like the multi-billion, you know, billion-dollar business, and they're getting shown up by the small indie developer, and the Nintendo fans are upset, Pokemon fans are upset, PlayStation fans are upset that the biggest game of the year so far is not on their platform. Like they want to play it, they're they're not part of the conversation. That's another thing I sort of realized is, um, man, when PlayStation fans aren't really included in, in the conversation with these games, they there's a lot of entitlement that goes on. I, I especially when you like you, you when you with the Pal world, Xbox fans and then too. Well, sure, I'm not saying I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying it really became apparent this week because it was an Xbox developer direct where they showed off like Hellblade 2 and Avowed and Indiana Jones. And you could tell they wanted to play Indiana Jones because they were making up, oh, the, the first person, uh, you know, motion sickness stuff. Clearly a game that they wanted to play and are hoping it comes to their platform. Uh, and then Power World on top of it, a game that's just blowing up the industry by storm and it's not available on PlayStation. Neither will Indiana Jones. And it, and it's sort of like, well, okay, like you can sort of see like some of these some of these guys are really upset by finally there are some games that they want to play that aren't on their platform, right? So like, cuz they feel entitled uh to have everything essentially. Mm -hmm. So the discourse for this game is absolutely crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Uh I see I saw you going back and forth with some people on Twitter about it. Um I don't know what else to say other than it's just weird because it's for a game that I have no strong feelings for either way. 
you know? I've, so I'm I've kind of just really on the sidelines just watching. I'm like on the sidelines, you know, with some popcorn, just watching everybody attack one another for whether the AI or the cop, you know, we're copying. It, it, it's kind of just nuts, bro. Seriously. Dude, I've, I've had – I'm like friends with a lot of game, game devs, right? I've had really quite, you know, serious arguments with devs about this. Um, like close friends of mine who were like, you know, we have to agree to disagree about it, right? Because you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of the discourses from game devs, right, is kind of like, and I think there's some valid points to be made here. There's there's this disturbed about how close some of the, the the designs are to existing art assets, right? So it's kind of like, um. People were trying to first. They said AI had done it, and then they said they'd ripped the models out of the game and then edited them. But that was proven to be false as well, most likely. So, but even even without those the FUD bits, right? Some of the designs of these creatures are blatantly lifted from Pokemon. Like they, you can't. It's undeniable. Like I was walking around the starting area and I saw a dragon looked just like Gudra from you know pokemon and it's just like they've just color swapped it and added some leaves and it's just like yeah okay and i do think right going forward they'll steal they'll they will steer well clear of trying to emulate any of pokemon's designs that being said pokemon has a design for every single animal on earth there is a keyring pokemon rand Mm. A Pokemon that is a keyring. There is an ice cream Pokemon round. So, how do you make an ice cream pal that differentiates from Pokemon in a meaningful way? A lot of these uh, Pokemon have basically turned every every household object into a Pokemon with that styling, right? And so, it's kind of tough if you want to use the pokemon style which they have and also make lots of designs that don't completely riff on existing pokemon paradigms so i kind of see why some people are disturbed by it but at the same time i'm also i'm a blizzard fanboy but i'm also a pokemon fanboy and we've you know at least in terms of my childhood nostalgia. I grew up playing Pokemon. My entire school was obsessed with Pokemon. We all got in we all got in the schoolyard with our link cables and Game Boys, played Pokemon, we bought the cards. I was just one of the people of that age. It brought me a lot of joy, right? I bought every single Pokemon game ever made. And I even bought uh, the new one, Scarlet, I think it's called. But I haven't actually I haven't actually played it once. I just bought it because it's Pokemon, and I've got all the other ones, right? Uh, play Pokemon Go and all that kind of stuff. But I am, ce- I'm like, unlike the other Pokemon fans, I am celebrating this game. Mm. I am celebrating this game. And why? Because it's going to kick Nintendo up the arse. It's going to be like, oh, snap. We've just had our lunch eaten, and we've got a game now that we potentially can't do anything about from a legal perspective. Because we will set weird press precedents about what constitutes a homage, a parody, 
and all that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily a road Nintendo wants to go down, I don't think. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, some of the Pokemon, some of the PAL designs are really sus, you know, about how close some they are. Some of them do look pretty other... similar. I... Yeah. <laughs> so, so, some of them, there's some quite original ones, but some of them look super sus. But at the same time, some of them are just birds in the Pokemon style, which is difficult to diverge from in any meaningful way you know so I, it's it's a tough one it's a tough one you know and if it does go to court it's going to be very interesting but at the same time like i want pokemon to have competition because the last few pokemon games have been full bore trash and i don't know why anyone would defend them like when i see these games selling 17 million copies and, you know, I see game journalists bending over backwards to give these games 9 out of 10. I sit there thinking, if, if Xbox had released this exact game, one-to-one -one copy, exact game with, like, slightly different branding. It's not Pokemon, but it's, like, a knockoff, like Pal World or something. Or Viva Piñata. Or Viva Piñata. If it was Viva Piñata with that kind of quality, it would be, it would be like, it would be 5 out of 10 or lower. Mm. On It would be, like, it'd be that year's joke game. Nintendo it'd Tax? Be like, yeah, it's the Nintendo. It's the Nintendo tax rebate, you know. So I don't know why Nintendo gets to get away with all this stuff, you know. Um, the 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 recent Pokemon games were buggy, they were broken, they were laggy, they were ugly, ugly as hell. They they you reuse the same assets over and over and over and over again with not without adding any new animations. It's like it's the height of laziness, and. I I would like them to have some competition, please, to make better Pokemon games. And I would I would I think it's weird that a lot of people don't want Pokemon to have any competition. Call me crazy, but I think competition is what would lead to having better Pokemon games. So that's kind of my take on it. So I I get, I get that artists and artists and game devs and publishers are disturbed by the fact that that the, they can sort of co-opt the designs so brazenly in some cases, and they did. So, the, like, there's no, but, but it's also there's a parody element to this game. There's a parody element to this game. Something like if you've got like if you've got a Pokemon using a, a shotgun, that's hilarious to me. And it's not like Pokemon don't have guns too. I suppose like. Blast, blast toys or blast toys, as Rand once called him. Did I call him that? Uh, yeah, you called him blast toys in a, mm. <laughs> a previous show. He, he's got cannons coming out of his back, right? Um, there's a bunch of Pokemon with guns, but this is like it plays like a parody, you know. And even like when you read like some of the the dialogue um, and stuff, and and they're talking about being characters talking about being eaten alive by pals and stuff. It's kind of like the dark of it's like the dark vision of Pokemon, you know. It's like cutesy on the out on the outside, and then it's like, damn, there's some there's some dark stuff going on in this game. You can butcher and eat the pals, bro. You can shoot a pal and then take it to your base and cook it to me in a frying pan, dude. Um, you know. So there's there's a sort of like an element of parody there as well, which I'm sure if it did go to court, they would argue that point that it's it's a parody, you know, it's a parody. But yeah, I want I want Nintendo to have competition. The game's very well has some great concepts. It's very unpolished, needs a lot of work. 
And also the game has disparity between Xbox and PC, but they'll fix all that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the whole Pokemon thing. I think as I think just to just to round off this discussion about Power World before we get into the the, the sad stuff. Asmongold, who is um, for those who don't know, Asmongold is kind of like a famous, huge content creator. He's he's kind of like known for Warcraft content originally, but now he does he does like everything, comments on everything now. He he said on a live stream and then said reiterated on Twitter. I think he's basically saying like addressing the discourse and and there was like it was just like. Nobody cares if this is a ripoff. In essence, I'm paraphrasing here, but no one cares if this if this is a ripoff or if it is made with AI or if they did lift the assets. They just care that it's a fun game, mm. and that's why it's blown up like it has. It's it does a lot of it takes away a lot of the the sort of the irritants of Ark and Conan and even Minecraft and streamlines them in a hilarious and cute way. You know, it's hilarious that I can make a force a penguin into digging for me in the mines it's just weirdly hilarious well this is that's kind of how you know the people don't care people don't want to know how the sausage is made right yeah but this is this is kind of like beyond that it's like it's not even about the sausage being made it's just like people are preaching at gamers and saying like you shouldn't enjoy this game because i said so and it's just like make make a fun game you know I mean, and I, I I do fully appreciate this this sort of idea that it's disturbing about the art stuff, which is why I do think they'll address that with future designs. You know, I really think they will diverge as much as they can from Pokemon designs in the future, so they can avoid this kind of criticism. And I will, I do think that one of the reasons it blew up is because you can say this is Pokemon with guns. You know, I in a microcosm rant, I kind of I kind of experienced this on Windows Central because we wrote an article about the Thaumaturge. Have you heard of the Thaumaturge? Yeah, I've heard of it. Tha- the Thaumaturge is an upcoming action RPG from Eleven Bit Studios. They're publishing it. I can't remember who the developer is, but Eleven Bit Studios are publishing it, and Eleven Bit Studios publish like really great indie games. And we wrote an article about the Thaumaturge, and in the title, we were just like. The Thaumaturge is a is Eleven Bit Studios' dark and twisted vision of Pokemon. That article blew the fuck up, man. And like, just because we'd uh, uh, give it that Pokemon association, made the article blow blow up, and people were like, oh wow, dark and twisted vision of Pokemon. I really want to see what this looks like. That's kind of what the Thaumaturge is in a way. You play you play as a dude who can summon and capture demons to do his bidding. It's like it's a it's a story based it's a turn based it's like a it's almost like a JRPG if it was western. It's like a a, a dark 18 rated JRPG. It's really it's a really unique blend of genres. But the the gameplay revolves around cap exercising spirits, demons. And then making them do your bidding, you know, like a bit like Pokemon, you know. So just the the mere association of Pokemon made this game blow up. But we've seen this time and time again. Fortnite did it to PUBG, for God's sake, you know. And like we've seen other games riff on other games, and it's like, can can Pokemon gatekeep a genre? Is that is that what we're talking about now? Like Vampire Survivors was not original either. They they borrowed that auto battler thing from a bu- a bunch of Android games which were doing it. 
because you know android games were thinking like well it's hard to control these kind of games on a phone what if we made it so you didn't have to really control anything and yeah and then vampire survivors took that remixed it with castlevania which nobody really talks about either in like vampire survivors is this indie darling which a borrowed its concept from an android game and b basically you know paid homage quote unquote to castlevania but no one was mad about that no one was mad about that round but people mad about this and is it not the same thing or at least similar in a way am i crazy around for thinking that mm. you know mm. uh. do you remember do you remember when do you remember crafton sued epic games over fortnite and then what happened nothing came out of that but yeah, yeah. They, they backed out because it was it was never gonna work yeah it's true it's true uh well Don Ataku, of course he has to say up show something you know he says please stop saying nintendo when talking pokemon <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't like what? that he he doesn't like it cuz pokemon's pokemon right so nintendo's got nothing to do with it bullshit man i'm so i hate this narrative like oh it's it's the pokemon company it's game freak they own 30% of it you're telling me they've got no say and no control over their exclusive of course they do. Of course they do. So when I say Poke when I say Nintendo with relation to Pokemon, it's just it's just me saying whoever's responsible for it. And Nintendo's at mm. least culpable for thirty percent of the bullshit going on with the Pokemon franchise. Yeah, uh, and the Super Chat Don says it's a myth that PlayStation doesn't allow early access because they had Temtem, a Pokemon clone in early access exclusively on PS5 for a while. Uh, Just James, remember for three months, okay. says, I, I wasn't planning on playing Pal World until I watched Jez's live stream. Now I'm level 10. I love it. What nice. do you think Nintendo will do copy. about this yeah. game? I don't think Nintendo's going to do anything about this game, honestly. I don't, I don't think mm. that Nintendo or Pokemon are going to do anything about it. Um, RDX on a Fet says, Xbox should buy Pal World Company... Or make them second party, or make Pal World permanently console exclusive. Xbox has caught lightning in a bottle. Love you guys. Yeah. So, what do you think about that? You know, this game's exclusive for now. Uh, usually, early access games tend to be exclusive. You know, however long they take to come out, like a year. Maybe this game's exclusive for a year, but because of how successful it is, I've seen a lot of fans being like, Microsoft should you know, make it fully exclusive forever or buy the company or what have you that they've caught lightning in a bottle. They need to, to do it. They need to promote this. They need to sell console bundles with it, you know, like get your Xbox series S bundled with pal world and stuff like that. Right. I'm sure you've seen some of that, uh, some of that, some of that uh, discussion on Mm -hmm. various social media websites. What do you think about that? The idea of like, hey, you've struck gold. Now you you need to go beyond. Like you need to lock it down completely or buy buy the company. Well, like, <clears throat> I will I will say that like I've kind of spoken to people about this and like I've asked them, I pretty much said the same thing. What do you think about this? And I think what what, what I was told was basically they're not thinking about this right now. They're just trying to develop the game. We're trying to support them as we can. And I don't think they, they'd appreciate us turning up with the contract right now. So, like, you got you got to appreciate that aspect of it as well. They're playing with... They, they, they're in a situation where they're being 
ex- there's a huge amount of expectation, and they do have this lightning in the bottle scenario. And you, you, even you were sitting there questioning, like, is this is this going to be a fad? Is this going to be a thing? Because people are going to be like expecting fixes and updates really quick. Now the dev, the devs working on this, they have a real opportunity here to to sort of eventually cash out and exit and make billions, you know, become set for life, you know. So they're like working flat out to to create a future for themselves and their families and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, right now doing contract negotiations and, you know, trying to explore, because it wouldn't just be Microsoft trying to buy this stuff. It'd be like they'd have, to, they'd have to do like this whole thing and it would take a lot of focus off the game. So I don't think they're really caring about that right now. And um, I don't think Microsoft's going to try and, you know, mess with proceedings or mess with their relationship with them to, to you know, make that happen, you know. But who knows what happened down the line, you know? Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Um, there's some, you know, Microsoft isn't going to stop buying studios, you know, and we're going to talk about that in a minute with, you know, as of about all the stuff that's happened this week. Um, but, um, I mean, it cl- it's clearly, it's, c- it's clearly become a desirable property, right? Mm-hmm. But I suppose there's there's a lot of there's a lot of minutia that needs to be considered before just like oh send them a load of money send them write them a check and they'll do it. It doesn't work like that, man. It doesn't work like that. But even yeah. if it did, it wouldn't be exclusive. So <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's one of these things. You know what it reminds me a lot of, although it didn't blow up in the same way, is um, high on life last year. On life, you remember how like well it did on Game Pass last year, where they, they um, even talked about how it was like the biggest third party game on Game Pass maybe ever or whatever. You don't remember do that? that in December of twenty twenty two? Um, yeah, I mean, what? Why? No, why does I, it remind you of that? It reminds me of the same way because people said the same thing then. Xbox should make it fully exclusive because remember it was exclusive for a period of time maybe like six or eight months, that Xbox should make it fully exclusive, that Xbox should buy Squanch games. You don't, you don't remember the same exact conversation people had last time? They had like a big exclusive sort of blow up out of nowhere. It, it re- re- eerily reminds me of it. Like this one's big, a big time, exclu- you know, big time blowing up. And like the yeah. same conversation is like, you need to make it either permanently exclusive or you need to buy the company. It just... It's just weird that it happened with high high on life. You know, oh. last time a exclusive game became really popular, people said the same things. You know, although yeah, this one's true. like way more popular, true. right? Because yeah. it's doing number. I just sort of wonder what's the what's the number on 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 console? Like, what's the number on Xbox? What's it doing on PC Game Pass? Uh, in comparison to Steam, like. If you were to add everything together, what's the total number of sales or what's the total player count, you know, uh, since they're only sharing the, the, the Steam thing. But, hey, 
you know, this is the another another example of like, <laughs> you never know what's going to be successful in the video game industry. I guess. I mean, did, oh. and initially, did you think a Pokemon like survive Ark survival game would be the biggest thing on PC in forever? Probably not, right? It's funny, right? Because we do we've started doing this analysis as a company to track games that we think will blow up, and the analysis did say that it was going to blow up. But I looked at it and I was like, nah, this analysis is wrong. Mm. So clearly I was wrong. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think anyone saw it to go like this, where it was like up there with Counter-Strike and stuff like that. Nobody saw that. And if they did, if they did say that, they're lying. Mm. But it's... You can't deny that the comparisons to Pokemon has carried this game a little bit, and that's why there's a lot of controversy about it, I guess. But I think, like, the the way that people lied about it and saying, like, it used AI when it didn't, uh, A, n- not particularly great journalism there, um, but also not particularly great media comprehension or reading comprehension, because, you know, he... <laughs> It just wasn't it wasn't fair to have said that when there was no evidence about it whatsoever or spread that sort of notion. Um and also uh then trying to say they'd ripped the model assets without any proof and then working really hard to try and be like, oh they they you know as if it would be hard, right, to design to do that manually. It's not like Pokemon Pokemon character designs are like the peak of design anyway. Like little doodles, man. I could design a Pokemon. In fact, I'll do it right now. I'll design a Pokemon in MS Paint and call it Randchu. Randchu. It's like Pikachu, but it's Randchu. Mm. So let's do it. Let's do it right now. I'm going to draw it. You're going to draw it right now? Okay. I'm going to draw it and post it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So there's Rand. It looks like Pikachu, but also he's got a big, big beard. A big beard. Okay. Big beard. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with Power World. I don't know if Xbox will extend a contract to them or try to buy them. Although talking about trying to buy them after what just happened yesterday is probably just like, I don't know, it doesn't feel right, uh, but. If know, the game hadn't blown up, no one would care. It's, just it's like all, all the, all the monster hunter clones that exist. I mean, God damn, look at what, look at Wild Hearts, for example. Wild Hearts that released last year, direct, it's a direct answer to Monster Hunter, you know. Similar monsters, similar gameplay style, you know, it does some innovative things too on top, like, like, Palwell does, you know. But no one was screaming, like, oh my god, Capcom should sue them, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, I'll be interested in seeing if this game ends up being uh, a new genre, right? If if it sort of like creates this uh, monster catcher survival genre. You know, people have been wondering what's the next big genre after Battle Royale, right? Where PUBG sort of, well, I wasn't even, it's not even really PUBG that started. Maybe it was like DayZ that started or was it? Either way, I forget which one Daisy really started of... started it, but yeah. PUBG popularized it, and then Fortnite took it over, and Call of Duty entered it, where people were wondering, what's the next big uh, genre to come out that would take the industry by yeah. storm? And, you know, there was talk that maybe extraction shooters would be it, right? But mm-hmm. that hasn't really happened yet. 
um, have we just found the next big genre? Is like this sort of thing? Is is this just going to be a one-off where it's just Pal World by itself at the top? Or is Pal World going to die off and eventually just be a flash in the pan? Or is there a significant audience for something like this? Uh, you know, a survival game mixed in with, you know, something else. Is this like the survival, I guess like is the survival genre plus something else going to be the next big battle, Roy- battle royale thing, I guess. But I guess only... Hey, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I guess only time will tell on that one. Well, like, Enshrouded is doing pretty well. Um, like, it kind of, like, feels like Valheim kick-started, like, a resurgence of this kind of stuff. You got V Rising 2, which did well. Mm. Um, and a lot of these games kind of, like, they kind of, like, they do what existing survival games do, but then add, add like, uh, remix it a bit. So V Rising is kind of like, yeah, it's a survival game, but it's also isometric, and it's like Diablo. So it's like a Diablo survival game with base building, which is, you know, interesting, unique. And then you've got like Valheim, which has like the PS1 kind of graphics with, with modern lighting, which does look gorgeous, you know. Um, so that, that, was, that blew up for a little while. But I, I think the patches, the patches have come too slow for Valheim to really, you know, um, continue the, the momentum, I think, for that game. But then, like, Pal World just came along and was like, okay, yeah, it's it's kind of Exiles, but instead of the annoyance of getting thralls and stuff, it's just Pokemon. You know, and that's kind of genius, you know. It's so intuitive, it works really well, it does all the stuff that Conan Exiles does with the thralls, but it just makes it way more intuitive. I mean, even Minecraft has that stuff with the villagers and making your own village and stuff, but it's just a pain. It's a pain to wrangle villagers. You kind of have to like take over an existing village to really get anything out of that from from uh, um, Minecraft. So I think this game will be hugely influential, even if it's like the ne- not the next big genre. It's going to be like you know, I I think the next Pokemon that comes out is going to be you know, there's going to be a lot of features that borrow from this, where you can do more with the Pokemon, interact with the Pokemon maybe base build with the Pokemon and just have, do more with the game than just the sort of brain dead, easy story mode, you know, we'll see what happens with all that stuff. But mm. yeah, it's amazing. It's been amazing to watch that blow up. And I really want to give out, give a shout out round, by the way, Okay. to Bucky, Bucky, the sole community manager of Power World, who has been working harder than I've seen anyone work online in a really long time so shout out to bookie all right uh moving on from that i guess uh well um we get some of these super chats but we're gonna be talking about the uh xbox related layoffs and i'm sure that topic is gonna go on for quite some time so if you guys are enjoying the show make sure you hit the like button and please subscribe if you haven't let everybody know that we are live uh let's see we have um we have Smurf who says, I hope State of Decay 3 blows up. Survival genre W. Yeah, you never know what's going to blow up in the survival genre. I mean, they have a chance with State of Decay 3 to do something. I was going to say to do something like different and better than what they did with the previous ones. Because, I don't know, State of Decay 2 felt like State of Decay 1.5. But, I mean, survival games, like I said, they're quite popular on PC these days. And they have been for yeah. for a while. So there's like... 
there's like a chance, you know, if they if they nail State of Decay three, you know, zombies survival sort of game maybe maybe blows up. I guess we'll have to wait and see with that. Um, yeah. We have uh, Roberto saying, "Where were most of these fans when Nexomon and Temtem launched?" Yeah, so Nexomon and Temtem like they didn't really co-opt the designs to the same level. But, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and the Andrew yeah, says, Ranchu needs to be a tomato. And then I'll get to the other ones that deal with the Microsoft thing when we when we were at there. So, yeah, well, as I'm sure most of you know by now, uh, the video game industry is facing a ton of layoffs. In fact, I think it's been like, what, 6,000 layoffs in the month of January alone? Right, we've seen layoffs at Riot. We've seen layoffs at Twitch. We've seen layoffs at Indian uh, Indie Studios. Uh, yeah, the one I saw yesterday was uh, the one the, the team that made the Destroy All Humans and the one that was making the last uh, Ronin Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Samurai game. Uh, they lost like half their studio. The Runer in, Indie Studio lost like eighty percent of their studio. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous. And there was, you know, a ton of layoffs last year. Epic, PlayStation, Bungie. Um, the, the list is just too long, right? Like, we had a great year for video games last year, but also for the video game industry, it was pretty bad because there were a ton of layoffs everywhere. Yep. And this year, the beginning of this year has been pretty awful. Like, almost seems like every single day I see a news story about some some layoffs at some company. And it's, it's just it's like, it's Jesus... Crazy. But yesterday was Microsoft's turn as uh, they laid off 1,900 people, 1,900 people from Activision Blizzard and Xbox, although I don't think many people were actually laid off from Xbox or Xbox Game Studios or ZeniMax, maybe a few, but it seemed to be mostly focused on Activision Blizzard King King. Uh, on a day that Microsoft celebrated uh, that they hit the three trillion valuation mark uh, mm-hmm. at the stock market, celebrated by <laughs> by laying off nineteen hundred people, which is gross. You know that the, the you know one of the things the other. And well, I mean, there's a lot of fallout from this. Uh, and man, the discourse around this as well has been very. Um. Not good either. Um, you know, Microsoft deserves all the smoke, right? Oh, they do. I mean, you can say that we knew this was happening, and we did. Uh, we knew when the acquisition was going to happen that there would eventually eventually be layoffs uh, for redundancies, as they're called. And, you know, I don't know how much of the layoffs of the 1,900 were for redundant positions. I can't imagine all 1,900 were redundant positions, right? But I mean, they weren't. They weren't clearly. So, yeah, it's a it's a sobering day. You see that stuff, and you you know the video games are, is my favorite hobby in the world, next to reading. And I'm just wondering what the video game industry is going to look like in a couple years. How this is going to impact, you know, the games and and like how. 
are, are these people that lose their jobs? Like, are they going to be able to get jobs in the video game industry with everybody? Like, it's it's an awful thing. You know, I've been laid off at jobs. It's never a good feeling, especially if you're someone who's like, I have a family, and now I'm the only I'm the only breadwinner, and now I don't have anything. Or, you know, I moved recently, and now I'm laid off, and I don't know what to do. Like, or I need my, uh, need my you know, medical stuff. So I'm losing my insurance. And now, like, it is it is an awful thing uh, what happened. And I know, Jez, that you feel a certain particular way about this one because this one covers your beloved Blizzard. Uh, you know, but... I mean, what struck you... I guess you say, what struck you the most out of this? Is this, is this just something that was needed? Although that seems kind of shitty to say that this was something that was needed. I I know it was something that was expected. I'm not sure we expected this much though. Uh almost 2000 people is a lot. To be fair, I guess you can you can make the argument that when Microsoft announced their intention to acquire Activision Blizzard King, they only had 10,000 employees and I believe when they closed the acquisition, they were almost up to if not past 17,000. So they grew I do wonder how much of this has to do with maybe the underperformance of something like Modern Warfare 3. You know, because Activision Blizzard seemed to be doing pretty well for most of the year, but I don't re- really know how Call of Duty did, so maybe it didn't perform well. And, you know, because we, we did see a lot of positions at the COD Studios uh, disappear, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but how... What are your thoughts on everything that happened yesterday? And well, the first thought always has to be with those who are impacted and those who are affected, you know. And all day, the last, you know, all day yesterday, I had people calling me up, people phoning me, people in tears, shaking, you know, worried about their families and the future, and you know, all that kind of stuff. So yesterday was like really, really horrible. Um just the avalanche of just human misery that that Xbox has left in its wake by doing all this stuff. It's I've never seen anything like it since I've been covering this stuff. And yeah, there's been layoffs at Microsoft before and there's been layoffs of other studios, but I've never sort of experienced a situation where I know so many people who are personally affected by layoffs. So that kind of made it more visceral for me i think but so there's that aspect of it but the the sort of the broader more important aspect of it you know is like is the is, is this the end or is this like everyone in the game industry right now has to be having probably has this kind of this sort of general fear that is their studio next is their publisher next you know how is that affecting morale and the anxiety that that creates, and especially in America, where America has very, very little in by way of safety blankets for people who are impacted by these kind of cuts and stuff. You know, it's not like in in Britain where if you get if you're a diabetic or something and you lose your job, you can still get insulin. You know, you can still get what you need, and. Or, like, if you've got a, any chronic illness which requires you to have health insurance, you know, in America, you're kind of screwed, you know, unless you can get another job with, with the correct health insurance, 
straight away. So the human misery that's that's been left in Xbox's wake is unimaginable. And you know, any any lay, any round of layoffs that they've done has sort of created this situation. You know, I remember Microsoft did layoffs last year as well, and yeah. similar situation then. You Literally, know. every company uh, in the tech industry did layoffs last year, from Google to yeah. Amazon to Microsoft. It was just like, hey, you're doing layoffs. Let's do layoffs too, because you know, shareholders loves layoffs. Microsoft laid off all these people yesterday, and their stock price went up. You know, and hit three trillion. Yeah, it's crazy, right? I seen like, you know, last year this. There's people who were laid off last year who are still kind of crusading against the way Microsoft treated people, but it's sort of like <laughs> without getting too philosophical about it, it's it's the it's an issue with our entire economic system where you know the the the, the whole shareholder capitalism system where um companies don't work for the workers or society even they just work for the shareholders and the shareholders might just be like a faceless hedge fund who they don't care about anything but generating money you know so i think a lot of us kind of like a lot of fans xbox fans and blizzard fans and maybe blizzard employees themselves perhaps somewhat naively thought that things would be you know I think people expected redundancies, right? Because, you know, Microsoft, Blizzard, and ABK, there's a lot of overlap there as a sort of organizational level. If you're like, Microsoft's a big publisher, Activision's a big publisher, you don't need two offices doing publishing stuff or whatever, right? Um, So I think everyone expected there'd be some back office redundancies in terms of finance, PR, we already saw Lulu get laid off, for example, famously a few weeks ago, and all that kind of stuff. We we kind of saw all that coming, um, but I don't think anyone saw how deeply the cuts would land on the developer side, because it's kind of like, if this is about making games and making money, then don't you kind of have to have developers to make those games to make the money, you know? And that's what I think that's where it's it's come as such a shock, you know. I think like when, when Microsoft did its laughs last year, it was like the HoloLens team and it was like, yeah, it sucks, but it, at least I can understand it, you know? Because HoloLens is going nowhere, you know. Meta, meta, the metaverse was going nowhere. They laid off all the teams that were responsible for anything to do with the metaverse at Microsoft last year. So like HoloLens and windows mixed reality the operating system there and all that kind of stuff and it really sucks but at least it's like okay it makes sense because it's a failed product right you know on paper but a lot of the the people being laid off are just sort of like you look at like their history and what they've worked on and what they've done for blizzard and it's just kind of like man i can't understand why this person was laid off or that person was laid off and like why why this is like gone so far and so deep and i can't understand it you know and people i know like been laid off who've worked on really amazing things and like you get these artists posting posting show reels of of things they've worked on and like look at all these art assets i've worked on it's like oh my god i've i've you know experienced this person's work in the game and it's really good and it's like you're telling me this person needed to be laid off after all the good stuff they've done like 
it's just crazy. So, so there's that side of it. Now, sort of like if you uh, if you uh, zoom out though and look at the state of the industry at large, there is a big issue. You know, we see an unfold within not just Xbox, but also like the wider gaming industry. The whole gaming industry has this massive sort of correction taking place right now, where a lot of companies overhired or had these expectations of sort of like the way the industry was going to go, and then the industry didn't go the way they that expected, potentially. You know, um, this is sort of like if you look at um and i'll maybe i'll link it in the comments but there was a really great article that someone linked to me and they were like this is this explains why the industry's going the way it is and it's kind of like over when you compare the gaming industry against the the growth of the US economy and the growth of other entertainment other entertainment verticals like movies books TV, whatever. Gaming is underperforming. And when you account for inflation, you could even suggest that it's contracted by some measures, you know, since COVID. So like, and I think there was, there was a lot of analysis that suggested that after, cause there, there was analysis that suggested that COVID would create new gamers. Right. Um, COVID would create new gamers. Right. And, those gamers would go on to be like permanent gamers who would like, they would develop a habit for gaming and they would go on to be gamers forever. You know, they'd start buying games left, right and center. They'd start buying consoles and stuff even after the pandemic ended. So like if there was any uplift from COVID, they would see a continued sort of ongoing uplift from all the people who were stuck in lockdown, maybe discovered gaming for the first time and maybe they'd stick around. But Apparently, that just hasn't happened, you know. Apparently, just hasn't happened. So, like, a lot of the expectation around how the industry trajectory will go just hasn't panned out in reality, which is why you've seen these kind of corrections, quote-unquote, is what they call them, which is like a complete dehumanizing way to express this kind of stuff. But that's the, the sort of reality we live in, you know. It's, it's this kind of, you know, boom and bust sort of world where people are sort of commodified and then treated like you know the pals in power world you know basically you're gonna work on this job until i don't need you anymore as per dictated by the shareholders you know or the share the, the needs of the shareholders so but as well it's kind of like you've got to have money to make money and if you know the the industry seeing this contraction and people's habits aren't um and people's habits are kind of like not delivering a massive amounts of growth like for whatever reason maybe people don't have enough time maybe gen z only want to play genshin impact and maybe they don't even want to spend money in genshin impact maybe you know, free-to-play games is cannibalizing the rest of the industry. Maybe streaming services are out-competing gaming and people are just, like, people are too tired and too disengaged to want to play any kind of video game right now, particularly AAA video games. 
you know, I, I certainly talked on the show where like, I like, um, I've got into a situation where it's like, I've been so tired after work and I'm a gamer and I work in gaming and still, I've still been like so tired after work. And I just can't bring myself to play anything. And I just lie in bed with my phone scrolling, you know, doing something pointless. And I think like the video game sort of the executives who were sort of green lighting these grow these this sort of driving this sort of mentality of like, oh, we're gonna grow, we're gonna grow, we're gonna grow. Um um they sort of didn't realise that or they they're they're sort of out of touch and disconnected with the the way that life is for a lot of people in the sort of like us, working the working working classes and the middle classes and whatever you know i think they they were thinking like oh these people like they've got loads of time to play games and and they've got loads of money spent on games and it's just like no dude you know the the you know the the kind like they tell us the economy's growing and the stock market's hitting the the greatest ever you know market caps ever but it's just like the, the people on the ground we're not really seeing this this sort of we're not seeing the effects of this so-called okay you know, soft landing that they call it, right? You know, nobody's seen that effect. So a lot of people are working extra jobs, which means they've got less time to play games. A lot of people are trying to do, like, extra schooling to try and increase the, the chances of them having a better life. And it's just, like, the constraint is time, you know? And it sort of, it goes into, it feeds into a wider discussion about the state of the economy and the world, the disconnect from the C-suite layer of what they think consumers should be doing versus what is actually happening to consumers on the ground. You know, the, the on paper, the economy is doing really well, but because of inflation, I don't think people in real terms are seeing the effects of that, you know? So it's a, it's a whole ass mess, basically. It's a whole ass mess in every, no matter which way you look at it. Um, so much stuff has been really annoying about all this. Like the way people have tried to use it in a console war context, because it's kind of like, well, you know, you're celebrating these Xbox laughs, but it's like, what are you going to do when PlayStation does the same thing? You know, because this is, this is sort of a pervasive thing, man. It's a pervasive thing. It's like every industry is having laughs right now. A Business Insider, like another publication, they just announced they're going to lay off 8% of their workforce, you know. And um, it's uh, inflation. It's interest rates. It's the death of easy capital it's the death of venture capital as well you know when interest rates were insanely low and non-existent there was just venture capital flowing all around the place it was like you have some money you have some money you have some money all those times are gone man all those times are over with so yeah it's just but none of that matters what matters is like the people who have negatively impacted and like I just hope that I just hope for like a future where legislators actually work for their constituents and create an economy that isn't like this. And I just think, when, when will that ever happen? It probably won't ever happen because everyone's just so divided about how to approach this kind of stuff. Some people are even like, oh, that's just the way it is. You know? Could there be a better way? Maybe. I don't know what it is. Smarter people than me need to work it out. But yeah, it's kind of, I just kind of feel numb to it now. Mm. Well, that's it.
Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you mentioned something earlier about like the, the the games need to make money or whatever, right? And thing that like stuck out to me was was more more it was more of a number than I thought, but like for instance, Sledgehammer Games lost a quarter of its studio, right? And they just like crunched to get the last Call of Duty out in a year and a half. And how do you reward them? By laying off a quarter of your studio? But yet you expect them to like turn around and make the next game in what? Another year and a half? Three years? Like there's been layoffs at all the Call of Duty studios. And like Xbox has an issue this generation getting games out on time. Like how many games have we seen get delayed from like Halo Infinite uh, to Starfield Redfall, right? Where they didn't hit the timetables that Xbox said they would. And Call of Duty's on this tight schedule every year, right? And now you're just removing developers from that franchise. That's only going to that's only going to make it harder for those current developers working on those games to be able to still release that game at a high enough quality level uh on time because you're removing their colleagues. Uh, it, it is like it, I don't know. I don't is Xbox like penny pinching? In this scenario where they're like, all right, we're going to get rid of the redundancies, but also maybe some of the results from last quarter didn't hit and now we need to make more cuts to save more money because that's typically what some of these companies do. And are the, is this going to impact you know, the timetables of future games outside of the fact that you just you know severely impacted the lives of, of developers? Like, is this also going to push back uh, the timetables of future Activision releases, you know, is it going to lower the quality level of Blizzard games or the quality level of Activision games because you have to replace people that were highly experienced with people that may not be? Or are they going to go down the route of using, you know, uh, Face23 BKNY says in the Super Chat, in my opinion, if Microsoft starts to penny pinch on Call of Duty developers, cost by using more external contractors as it did with Halo, they will, mark my words, destroy the Call of Duty franchise just like they did with Halo. And then Donataku says, Face, you literally stole that comment word for word for Take Kim's tweet. At least make it less obvious that you don't have your own opinions. Like, I knew that was from Take Take Kim because I saw Jez reply to him. But, like, are they going to use the contractors that they did for Halo with Call of Duty? Was that only an issue because of the Redmond policies? Maybe won't be for COD? Like, there's a lot of unknown variables in all this, right? Because certainly you don't want to see any game suffer. You don't want to see devs suffer. You don't want to see the game suffer. You don't want to see timetables become longer because people are already waiting long enough for games. I mean, how many times it be like... You know, the meme is just wait till next E3 or next year will be better or the next year... And people are like, oh, well, this game's supposed to come out this year, then it gets delayed. Are is this? Are you delaying more games? Are the games going to come out going to uh, be of quality of nature? You're like, there's that that aspect that it. I just sit there and kind of have to, be like, huh? I wonder. I wonder what the plan is for for you know all these games and all the layoffs and stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but then specifically, you know, 
Mikey Barr is gone. Specifically. Specifically. You know, I have words. I, how many times have I said <laughs> I, I, you know, when I was in, when I was younger, I, I had yeah, to go to yeah, speech yeah. therapy we, and stuff. We know, and we there's know. some words they say, but Mikey Barr left. Um, which, well, he didn't leave. No, he was laid off. Oh, he's laid off, huh? He was not, that's not what Matt Booty and Mike said on their personal responses. Yeah, they can say what they want. He was laid off. Oh, so you basically think he was like, we're not going to say you're laid off, but we're, we'll let you leave, <laughs> let you say you when, left. When you get to a certain level, you don't you don't get laid off. You move on. Oh, you move you, on. Okay. You, you voluntarily this. You voluntarily... He was laid off, man. Guarantee. Guarantee. I don't have any evidence, but I just believe that in my heart that he was laid off. Yeah. Like, Jason Schreier said on Twitter... He said, Mike said that he was in it for the long haul and he would stick around. He like, that was his dream job, man. He loves Blizzard. He loves Blizzard games. He's always on Warcraft and Diablo and stuff like that. I don't believe that Mike left. I think he was laid off. Interesting. Um, Well, this is what Phil Spencer had to say in his uh, memo to the team. It's been a little over... Well, I'm not going to read that part, right? Um, He basically says, The leadership at Microsoft Gaming and Activision Blizzard is committed to aligning on strategy and an execution plan with a sustainable cost structure that will support the whole of our gaming business, growing business. Together, we've set priorities, identified areas of overlap, and ensured that we are all aligned in the best opportunities for growth. As part of this process, we have made the painful decision to reduce the size of our gaming war first by approximately 1,900 rolls out of the... 22,000 people on our team. Uh, blah, 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 blah. You know, a lot of PR speak. Um, looking ahead, we'll continue to invest in areas that will grow our business and support our strategy of bringing more games to more players around the world, etc., etc. Um, but also, like, Matt Booty had his own sort of thing where he said... It's a difficult process, but is one that will best enable Blizzard and Xbox to deliver ambitious games for our players on more platforms and in more places than ever before. I like how it's like we're laying off all these people, but by laying you guys off, we're actually going to be better than ever. <laughs> you know, way to throw all the people that you just laid off under the bus. Because, I mean, that's essentially what it says. This is a difficult process, but it is one that will best enable Blizzard and Xbox to deliver ambitious games for our players on more platforms and more places than ever before. Right? It's awful. It's. I don't know, like, how you can trust Matt and Phil after. If you're, if you're working at Blizzard, like, how can you trust them, you know? And I've seen Xbox fans, um, Blizzard fans talk about, like, how. How, um. Like, how weirdly performative Phil was at BlizzCon, coming out, shaking Mike's hand, talking about ambitions and all this kind of stuff. And, um,. And then for this to happen not so long after, it's kind of like, why why do all that stuff, you know? Is Phil going to be applauded again when he comes back to BlizzCon? If BlizzCon even still exists? I don't think so. You know, it's, it's kind of like the kind of, you know... Or if you're a current Blizzard employee, are you, are you sort of... Do you think like, okay, so that's this year's layoffs, now... What happens next year? What happens the year after? What happens the year after? You know. But at the same time, it's kind of like, where where do they go? You know, it's not like anywhere else is any 
particularly great stability. Well, you, right so now. you're basically saying like, and I, I agree with you. Like, remember all the photo ops we we saw when Phil and team Why went went down to Blizzard, Why and everybody's happy, and everybody's so excited. Yeah, we're out from underneath the yoke of Bobby Kotick. He's gone. Phil Spencer and Xbox here. They're they're here to make everything better. You know, they separated us from Activision, so we're our own sort of thing. Uh, you know, he has. They're using let us do what we sort of want. And, you know, saw all the pictures and everything. And, and then, you know, a couple months later, it's like, yep, gone. Yeah, I mean, I get like, yeah, how could you how could you look at Phil and Booty after that and be like, believe whatever they have to say? I'm sure the morale at those at those places are incredibly, incredibly low. I mean, you know, there's what survival's guilt and survivor uh, survivors apathy and stuff like people that survived are probably. You know, just like I can't believe I made the cut. For, you know, like, yeah, I um, I someone has literally used the word survivor's guilt to me literally today. Yeah, it's um, I mean, then on top of it, you cancel a game, Project Odyssey, which we've ta- yep. and you've talked about on the show before. Um, I've seen it played. I've seen Odyssey played. And it looked really good. It looked really fantastic. I mean, I only saw a small portion of the world. I didn't see like the the scope of the full scope of it. What I see looked, what I saw looked really, really good. So, you know, and obviously seeing a small vertical slice is not really indicative of the quality of the overall product and its viability in a very difficult market. So, you know, while I kind of like, I said on Twitter, like, I said something like, um, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I, I said something to the effect of Microsoft did it pulled off a huge L by canceling this game. I mean, that was kind of like emotional. I don't know how good or bad it was overall, you know. But what, what is true is, you know, they, they were working on that game for a really long time. Yeah, Jason Schreier said like six years, and it still had a couple, if not two, three, four years before it would ever see ever actually come out, right? So. Yeah, so it sounds like that game was incredibly expensive and a huge drain on resources. So if you still it's still three years out, you know, because of I think Jason said it was to do with the engine, right? Like they're using a mobile, an engine designed for mobile. Maybe that's because they they had cross-platform ambitions for it. I don't know. Don't know what the thought process there was, but um, it looked fantastic. It was like it was kind of like it was a survival game, but it looked like it had none of the jank that a lot of survival games are kind of known for. It looked like the survival, the the the, the polished kind of survival game. It looked like it had the Overwatch art style, which made me think it was on the Overwatch engine, but apparently it's not. Um, you know, it had it had like sort of. I saw a character that had bow and arrow. It had sort of fairy tale motif to it. Not not quite like not quite fantasy like Warcraft, but more fairy tale like a fable maybe. You know, um, I think it looked really good. I was really excited for it. I was thinking I was like this is going to be really great. It's going to be a huge game. You know, but God, it just it's just devastating, man. It's so it sucks so much that this 
game, which clearly must have like been at least approaching a, a, a playable state, it's got can, man. It just sucks so bad. And I can't help but think, like, maybe they should have just put it in early access or something to start making money on it. Sell it for 20 bucks or something. Why does that, Why do they have to wait until um, it's fully done dusted, you know? if if Because it feels like almost all Survivor games come out in early access to begin with for some reason. Maybe that's just the business model for these kind of games. I don't know. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's canned and that's, that's that. What do you have to say to the people that said you you said Odyssey was coming soon, that it was almost done? Did I say that? I mean, you mentioned before when we talked about it that you thought it was like pretty close to being done. Well, it so looked some polished people, and playable, but right. I have no idea what kind of scope. I have no idea the sco- scope of the game. Like what I saw was like what I saw was polished and playable. But I only saw a couple of areas, you know. Maybe that's all they had finished. Right. I don't know. So I, my mentality was, because I've been in, I've been in Blizzard betas before, right? Um, I've been in Blizzard betas before, and it reminded me of being in one of the Blizzard betas, you know, where it's kind of like, okay, the game, the game functions now, and now they're just working on building out the world, you know. But I guess just is what it is, and it's hard to tell from what I saw, you know. Yeah, and Matt Booty. Did had... I show you? Did I show you that no, gameplay I, or not? I I haven't seen it. You you know I wouldn't care about a survival game. Uh, Matt Booty yeah, had this I to often, say about I it. I usually show you stuff like that. Yeah, you didn't with that one. He said he said the changes announced today reflect a focus on products and strategies that hold the most promise for Blizzard's future growth as well as identified areas of overlap across Blizzard and Microsoft Gaming. Today's actions affect multiple teams within Blizzard, including development teams, shared service organization, and corporate functions. As part of this focus, Blizzard is ending development on a survival game project, and will be shifting some of the people working on it to one of several promising new projects Blizzard has in the early stages of development. Um... So I, I did see on Twitter that a lot of the, the survival team was let go, if not all of them. Um, maybe there was a few that didn't. Um, it's just, it's also weird. Or I don't know if it's ironic, but like they cancel a survival game when the biggest game in the world right now is a survival game, right? It's kind of like, wait yeah. a minute, but like Pal World's blowing up and it's like the biggest thing ever since like sliced bread. And you, you have a survival game in development, a triple A one at that. And you're just ending it? They must have thought that game wasn't coming out. Any, But I guess it's like the sunken cost fallacy, right? It's like, all right, we've spent six years on this game. Let's just keep on going. But in reality, it's more like you need to you need to not look at what you spent and look at like how much more money is this going to cost? And how, much, like, how much more time are we yeah. going to have to give? Uh, how did Redfall slip through that now? That's a good question. How did Redfall slip through the net? Maybe because Red, Redfall was closer to release. Because remember when when they when they closed the acquisition of of Bethesda in in um, March of 2021, Redfall was supposed to launch the following year. So maybe Redfall mm. was just a game that was closer to release than this game is. I don't know. Maybe they needed to. Cut more budget? Maybe. 
maybe the game's too similar to other games that Microsoft has, is, you know, because Matt Booty does say in this thing, uh, he kind of says, uh, as well as identified areas of overlap across Blizzard and Microsoft gaming. So maybe they feel that, maybe they felt that the Blizzard survival game was too similar to another game that Microsoft might be working on, like maybe Everwild or something. And maybe they didn't want two survival games. You know, I'm just speculating, but it is mentioned in there, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, sucks. <laughs> this whole this whole situation just completely sucks, right? Like you said, people are using it for console war, cheering on, being like... People are also using it as a, got, uh, a gotcha, being like, I told you so! I told you! Uh, the acquisition would cause these sort of things. Like, yeah, everybody knew people were going to get laid off. Like, duh. And maybe some people didn't think mm. so because you didn't see a lot... Of, you didn't see any layoffs at ZeniMax right away. Right? They acquired ZeniMax. Yeah. And I don't think anybody got laid off until uh, last year when Microsoft did their their huge company-wide layoffs. It seems like they sort of avoided that. So maybe thought maybe people thought Activision Blizzard would, would you know, be saved that. And then was like, no, like we need to lay off a lot of people. So then people are coming in like Microsoft should never have been allowed to buy them in the first place. I saw like Senator Warren came out saying like the FTC needs to unwind this. Uh, you know, they get rid of, you know, they're allowed to buy this company and then they get rid of 2000. It's not, I mean, it's the, it's a, it's a really awful look and Microsoft deserves all the smoke in the world for it. Right. And I'm sure it'd be used against them. Like, I know, like, it's, it's, you don't want to talk, you know, nobody wants to talk about future acquisitions, but I can imagine there's, it'd be something that's going to be used against them moving forward, being like, you, you acquired these studios and you, we let you acquire them and you just, you laid off X amount of people. Like, that's not a good look. Regulators might be like, yeah, you know, we're not going to let you do that again. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, maybe not necessarily for yeah, like yeah. A, a smaller dev, but if they ever tried going for like a publisher and you know, there's already kind of a segment of, of the media that was kind of against the layoffs. Uh, but a lot of the media was maybe for it because it was like Xbox was in that position where they were like way below PlayStation and Nintendo. But then with this, you know, maybe there's going to be a real pushback being like, no, Xbox shouldn't be allowed to acquire anything more. They can't be trusted. They're just going to lay people off. Uh, you know, there's just a whole fucking smorgasbord of opinions on this thing, right? And it's it's hard to, like, wade through it all and actually get read objective, you know, opinions about this situation that isn't clouded by some sort of... Uh, you know, other aspect, right? Because I always look for different takes on things, but I want to make sure, you know, the the takes I'm reading are from someone who's like really doesn't have a vested interest either way, just like someone on the outside. Because sometimes when you get a take of someone who's like invested either or, you, you know, there's biasness that could sneak in. And of course, like, you know, people say we are biased here. And, you know, of course we, we are biased towards it, but I also think we are, we, we, uh, we're one one of the few out there that really hold Microsoft and Xbox accountable to shit when uh, when they fuck up, right? And you know this is a situation where it's like, yeah, we expected it, but not this much. This is a complete 
fuck up. And it's just like, man, I don't, Microsoft is trying to, they've, they've cultivated this good guy persona for so long that I, I don't know if that can, that persona that they portray where they're like for, for, you know, the gamers and for the devs. I don't know if that can like really survive something like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I said, I said Xbox has lost its shine, you know, and the sort of, the sort of the idea that Xbox is like a well-funded startup or the good guy, that's shattered now. And it's kind of funny because it's like we used to say we used to talk about how, um, you know, Xbox would save Blizzard and you know they get to unionize and and still all that stuff's still on the table, you know. But it's kind of like they've absorbed Activision, but maybe Activision absorbs absorbed Microsoft because or absorbed Xbox, because this is all about Call of Duty now. And I kind of wonder, like, how much of how much of the operation is going to be cannibalized by the, the need slash desire to capitalize on Call of Duty and Call of Duty alone. Like, a huge amount of people got laid off from Toys, of Bob, Toys for Bob. Um, a, a, a sort of huge amount... Uh-oh. A huge amount of people got laid off from um a huge amount of people got laid off from uh the publishing teams and the all pretty much all the support staff got laid off all of them so Microsoft's going to outsource all that so even though Activision was one of the few publishers in the industry that had an internal support team and like I've seen people on Twitter complain like oh they they, they sucked anyway and it's like they're already underfunded you know and they were kind of like doing their best with what they had. And now you're going to get even worse. You're going to get outsourced. You're going to get outsourced customer support that don't know anything about any of the games and automation. Like, have you ever tried using like Xbox or Microsoft's customer support? It's awful. It's terrible. It's garbage. Yeah, well, they outsourced that to Xbox ambassadors, free, you know, people part of the Xbox ambassador program, you know, which is like, they do really? it for free. They do it for free. They do it it's, for free. That, is, that makes me sick. That makes me absolutely sick. You know, well, corpos are going to corpo, bro. They're going to corpo. This is yeah. why and I've always also... told you I only care about Xbox. I don't give a flying f about Microsoft at all. I've only ever cared about Xbox. I don't care about Microsoft. Yeah, but now now you've got now you've got the Microsoft edition of Xbox where Microsoft yeah. is at the 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 senior leadership table. And they're, you know, they're answering directly to Satya and they're not answering to Terry Martin anymore. They're answering directly to the CEO and the CFO, you know, and, you know, you got to You got to wonder, like, how much of these layoffs is Satya being like, OK, if you're doing this, we're doing X, Y, Z, you know. Um, but I just kind of just got to hope that it all leads to, you know, just um, more getting things better, you know. And I don't mean better for better games or whatever and, and all that kind of stuff, but um, a sort of more reasonable approach to hiring, a more reasonable approach to how staff get treated and that the backlash to this and the way, you know, the anger, frankly, gives Microsoft 
pause when they consider doing this kind of stuff. Now you Will mentioned they? probably not. You mentioned uh, on a tweet that basically Microsoft um, got rid of all their uh, people that departments that did physical games. And people started running articles about like, oh, physicals ended on Xbox. There's gonna be no more physical discs, and that's kind yeah, of also I wanna, a big. I want to, I want to put the record straight about that. So, okay, I tweeted out like Microsoft has laid off the teams responsible for for getting physical discs put together, getting physical discs, um, getting physical discs to retail, right? And I put that out there, and. Um, a lot of people ran with it like, "Oh, Microsoft's quitting physical discs completely," but that's not what's happening. They're not. They're not quitting physical discs or physical dicks, as Rand likes to call mm-hmm. them. They're not quitting physical discs yet. Although, let's be real, that's that's the way the industry's trending. Um, which is what I said in my tweet. It's like you can gives you an idea of the way the industry's trending. But what that was was consolidating the teams. Because they don't need they don't need several teams dedicated to doing that role, so they still have a team for publishing physical discs and getting physical discs into retail for now, you know. And I did follow up a tweet with that to explain what the situation was and that there is they are still going to do it, you know. They're no, there's no plan for Microsoft right now to stop making physical discs of games, um, but. That's the way things are trending. Microsoft's supposedly making a diskless drive for Xbox. You know, we don't know if they'll do a USB external drive. I mean, that's that's something they could do to support that ecosystem. Oh, sorry, I'm getting tired. Um, but no, Microsoft, there's no evidence right now that Microsoft is planning now or in the future to get rid of disks. So. So just to put that to bed right now, well, yeah. they still have a team for printing that stuff. Because Face says physical game media eventually will go away, but it looks like Microsoft is going to be the first to do that with the Xbox. Some retailer getting rid of all the physical media, while other retailers are only getting rid of Xbox physical games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Xbox is one of those companies that... I did see like... Z Huge reply to you saying that there are some big AAA games that have an 80 plus shared digitally on Xbox. So, yeah, I think physical, I think physical is going to be around for a bit, but eventually, but eventuality, it'll be all, it'll be all digital. But like, right now, you know, something like because when you tweeted that, I was like, oh man, so they're, you know, and they're done with physical because like, Oh, here's how blade two when it's all digital only. Right. And then the news there, it was like, well, is something like Indiana Jones going to have a physical disc? Cause you would assume physical discs, you would assume that it should, and it would, but then, you know, I've seen like Danny Padia from gamer tag radio, I think replied to you with like, this is what the Xbox section looked at in the store. I was just recently, it was just basically, you know, gift cards, right? Xbox digital cards. There basically was barely any physical presence whatsoever. And it's like, I think that's what the future of Xbox like looks like in a retail space in a few years where it's just, you know, like a digital card. Like, oh, you want to get Indiana Jones, for example? Well, instead of here's a, here's a disc, here's a, you know, a gift card for it where it's the game, you know, it's the code for the game, right? Like sp- yeah. specifically printed uh, game codes and stuff. 
But, and I, I honestly, I don't even, I know like we are talking about the rumored Series X refresh that might come out this year that looks like it may not have a disk drive. The adorably digital, right? Um, but I still think when Microsoft does their next console, whether it's a 2026, like some rumors have it, or 2028, I bet you it still has a disk drive in some manner, like a disk drive that you can buy optionally because Microsoft is still very much tied to their whole backwards compatibility future. And I think they would still want to give consumers the option of like, oh, you have the disk and you want to play like back compat? Well, you can get this this add-on if you want for your console that plays the discs. Very similar to how Sony's doing it right now with their... Uh, PS5 Slim, it's a you know detachable disk drive. I just can't see them completely being like, no, no disk drives ever, ever again in Xbox consoles, despite the fact that back compat's such a big thing for us. So I would imagine you would you would if it's not in the console itself, because removing the disk drive doesn't really decrease. You don't you don't really gain much, right? Disk drives like twenty bucks, essentially, which is why PlayStation. Mm-hmm when they originally had the, the PS5 and the PS5 digital uh, and the, the digital was $100 cheaper, they didn't produce many digital uh, consoles because they were losing a shit ton of money on it. So, like, in my opinion, I think we see future Xbox consoles, or at least this next gen, that has an add-on uh, for a disk drive for the people that want it. But yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very much for the people that want it. I mean... It's a dinosaur kind of thing, you know. And like um, Dr. Dingle Night chat says, how many physical copies of Power World sold? Zero. Zero. Power World will probably never be available to buy physical. There probably will never be a physical dick of Power World. So, you know, it is an archaic kind of thing, and it, a lot of people are a kind of age, you know, cling on to this, I think. But, yeah. I think even though Microsoft is still going to do physical discs, I think it's on the way out. It's on the way out. Uh, Yeah, it says, you know, last week everything's great. We got some great games coming. This week it's like layoffs in the industry. Then Microsoft does theirs and you're just like, you just feel that horrible feeling in your stomach. Like, it's like, man, what is going on with the game industry? You know, because it's, if it was if it was just Microsoft, you'd be like, "Well, something's wrong at Xbox," but it seems like there's something rotten at the core within the game industry at this point. Like something is is up because like everybody's laying people off, and even though it was expected, it, I, I guess like some of the thing I don't like is, and I, I know we talked a little bit about Odyssey a little bit, but I've already seen some damage control, like people happy mm. it got canceled. Like we don't want. It was basically like, we don't want another Redfall. But, like, you don't know that was the reason they canceled the game. You know what I mean? By all yeah. accounts, even from what Jason said, like, it was well, it was highly regarded within the company. And from what you saw, you know, it looked pretty good. But I sort of feel like some fans are already like, oh, they canceled it. We need to come up with the reason why it was good. And it's like, oh, well, we don't want another Redfall. Right? Because I always said to you, Jez, I said, what would have been worse? Releasing Redfall and having it do what it did or canceling Redfall and having the specter of a canceled arcane game hover over everything forever that could be brought up 
consistently on every podcast like Scalebound. Even though Scalebound, nobody knows if it was good, it's the specter that they canceled something like Scalebound. In your mind, you think it, what it was going to be awesome. So in your mind, you're like, oh, that they, I didn't get to play an amazing game, right? And until Redfall, until Redfall happened, everybody, well, for the people who like Arcane games, were like, in their mind, they would have been like, I can't believe Xbox took away from us a banger arcane game, right? And it would just been this 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 thing that just lived on in, in, in infamy all the time. People would be like, well, they canceled this game, and you never know if it was good or bad. So that's why I say, like, well, having the game come out would have been the better scenario because Redfall came out, it was shit, and people, you know, it did what it did, and then people talked about it. If they had canceled it, it would have lived on forever, right? As, as you know, as a specter of like something where people would have been like, well, you know, look how crappy Microsoft, they, they canceled this. So it's like, now we get, okay, here's this Blizzard game people were looking forward to or whatever. They cancel it. And now people got to have mental gymnastics to, to basically justify why it was canceled because they can't criticize Microsoft. And it's, oh, we don't want another Redfall situation. But, like, in reality, the most likely reason that they canceled it was because it was going to take too long and cost too much money, and they might have something else in the pipeline that's too similar. You know what I mean? I'm sure you've seen people say that, that the reason it was canceled was because they they didn't want a Redfall thing, right? But it's like, well, why didn't they cancel Redfall at that point? No, I don't think, I don't, I think that, I think Redfall probably won't. A thing like Redfall, I I'd be shocked if a Redfall thing like that happens again. But Rand, we went several, we went at least a couple of weeks with no Scalebound mention. We did, and you just ruined it. No, there's been Scalebound mentions. I think you just ruined it, bro. I'm just saying, like, if they had canceled Redfall, people would have been like, "Why'd they do that? We just never got to experience another arcane banger." And it would have been, it would have lived on forever, right? Instead, it came out and it was people didn't like it, and nobody really played it. Do. It was just whatever. Damned if you don't. But I just, I, I'd see some Xbox fans being like, "Yeah, glad it got canceled. We don't want another Redfall." But it's like you don't know what reasons it was canceled for. Yeah. And I, I doubt, I, mean, I doubt it, it was three years out. Them. It would have been like, you know what? Like three years out, they know if it was gonna, you know, be like a bad game or whatever. So. I think it just came down to cost, probably. It kind of, it kind of reminds me of um, when Phantom Dust was cancelled, and then gameplay of Phantom Dust came out, and it was like, hey, that actually looks really cool. But it's like, it was just that single area, you know. You don't know how much of the the rest of the game was going to be done, you know, over the next however many years, you know. <sighs> it's just, it's just. It just sucks for everyone involved, and I think we can move on from this now. Yeah, we have a uh, Puckish Rogue says, you think Game Freak will delay this year's Pokemon game because of Pal World? I don't think there's enough time to make changes for this year's release. <laughs> They're not going to delay it. Come on now. It's a launch yeah. of the new Switch? They're not delaying a, a Pokemon game from the launch of the brand new Switch? Um, have you seen the rumors about the new Switch? 8-inch LCD screen or whatever? 8-inch LCD screen, uh-huh. which um, was apparently first reported by Andy Robinson on VGC a little while ago. I thought ago, it was first reported no. by Nate the Hate. 
Oh, even or further maybe, back? Oh, okay. uh, whatever, yeah. But uh, well, I, I don't know uh, who first reported it, but it does seem like there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, fire attached to this smoke. So, are you surprised it's yeah. not an OLED screen, or are you just like, of course it's no. not OLED because they're gonna sell it to you two years later? So they're gonna the resell it you with the yeah. yeah. They'll sell it you again with the OLED later on. But um, yeah. I'm. Are you gonna get it? Are you gonna get the Switch around the new Switch? Uh, I probably no? not. I'm sure I'll have some FOMO where it's like the Switch is on sale and I have my 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 finger over the pre-order button, just like. There was a seconds of uh, FOMO when uh, the Asra, uh, the Ace, Asus ROG Ally came out, mm-hmm. and I actually yeah. had the pre-order page up, and I'm like, should I get this? And I almost did, and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not going to use this thing. What am I doing? And I, I clicked out of it. I'm sure there'll be a moment of weakness, where even though I know I'm probably not going to play anything on it, I'll be like, I, I need it, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... We'll see. We'll see if I'm strong enough not to pre-order it. Maybe there's a game that Nintendo puts... I mean, Metroid Prime 4 might get me. There's that. Metroid Prime 4. So, you know... Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how much it costs. Right? Um, But I, I, I really doubt they're going to delay a Pokemon game from the launch of the Switch. So, no. They're, I would say no, they are not. Uh, Virtual Brad says maybe some of those toxic employee problems have removed at the same time. Uh, Champagne Supernova says as someone who works in gaming, it's unsettling, but it's unfortunate. Not exclusive, it's business. We can be empathetic, but we shouldn't be outraged. Uh, Aramic mm-hmm. LVT says layoffs suck, but stop saying 3 trillion market cap Microsoft laid off employees. The gaming division, which is 7% of their market cap, laid off people. The gaming division does operate does not operate on a three trillion dollar budget. I mean, this is another thing. Like Microsoft itself does not operate on a three trillion dollar budget. I really need people to understand this. When a three trillion dollar market cap does not mean Microsoft has three trillion dollars. It means that's that is the perception of the value of the company per the shareholders. So shareholders perceive the company to be worth $3 trillion. That doesn't mean Microsoft has $3 trillion. That doesn't mean that the investors, that Microsoft, that doesn't mean Microsoft is using the investors' money to do things. They don't have $3 trillion. It's just, it's just a perception of the, the, the stock, the stock, the stock value, you know, the, the gambling, the, the gambling that people do on the stock market. It's just kind of like a milestone figure. It's like, if um, if people perceive this company to be worth three, three trillion dollars, why are they like this? You know, right? So yeah, market cap does not mean they have three trillion dollars. Yes, it does not mean that. But Microsoft, if they three trillion dollars, they wouldn't be laying anyone off. That's true. Uh, Dub says, "I've been in the games industry for over ten years now, and I've had the misfortune of being laid off in the past two times. One thing that stings is seeing people use this misfortune as console war fuel. Of course." People use it to say Xbox is this or that, or when it happened to Bungie and PlayStation, they said that, you know, it was because of this or that. And I've already seen, you know, some some journalists use this as a way to uh, attack Xbox fans. Not even attack Xbox, attack Xbox fans and fan websites or whatever, right? Because, like, these dudes are just, they're the worst of the worst, 
Um, I've seen some of that go on. And it's just like using other people's misfortune to sort of spread your own bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, are you a child? You know, I guess they are. Uh, Face23PKY says, imagine if Pete Hines or Mike Yabara joined Sony. I mean, do you want them mm. to face? Do you want Mike Yabara or Pete Hines to join PlayStation? You think that would get their uh, kick kick into high gear, their game production going on? Are, are you excited for another remaster on PS5 face? You looking forward to playing Until Dawn again? Would, it, would, would that be the eighth PlayStation remaster this gen or the ninth? I'm not sure. Which one is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jodicus says, Xbox's problem continues to be the lack of ability to ensure confidence with this platform to consumers. Exclusives, hardware, and now talent. I will say that I don't even think this news even reaches the common gamer. I don't think they even know that Xbox laid off. For one, I don't think even think most people even know Xbox bought Activision Blizzard, really. Right? Yeah. Let alone know that they laid off 1,900 people. I think most people just... They just kind of buy what's popular, and they don't really look too hard into it. You know? Same thing with, like, movies. Like, oh, the latest MCU movie's out. Looks interesting, I'll go see it. If it doesn't look interesting, I don't go see it. I mean... Maybe it seems like life or death to us because we're so invested in all this and we listen to podcasts and we do the podcasts and we're always discussing this with other people online. So it feels like this is bigger than life. But in reality, I'm not really sure this even steeps down to uh, a lot of the actual audience for games. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know how true that is. But you always got to remember that Twitter and social media are just echo chambers, right? And sometimes you have to step outside the echo chamber and, um, you know, think to yourself is like, is this, is this something that's like people are even are talking about, you know, and I'm not sure. Like, is anybody going, if you're at a job and you're at a water cooler, somebody's like, you know, Hey, do you hear Microsoft laid off 2000 people from Activision Blizzard? Probably not. Um, and you know, he says their problem continues to be the lack of the ability to ensure confidence within the platform to consumers, exclusive hardware and talent. I mean, I think maybe the only one that would suffice there is not even hardware or talent. It's probably the exclusives. I think Xbox has gone a long time without having like needle pushing, a needle pushing must have game that transcends. Which is why I think Indiana Jones is really important. Because I think Indiana Jones is is a game that the Xbox platform hasn't had in a long time exclusively. Uh, which is one of the reasons why when I look at like the failings of Xbox, you know, in, in recent gens or recent years, it's because PlayStation, say what you will, their games are marketed extremely well and they're always presented as the next big thing in gaming and it kind of they reach that plateau where xboxes kind of aren't and i guess you can make the argument well what about forza horizon it has more players than any playstation game and you'd be true i think forza horizon is at 35 million uh but i think forza horizon is just if I had to des- describe Forza Horizon, I don't think I would def- I would describe it as like a must-have. I think it's one of those like m- 
it's it's one of those things where if you have access to it and, and you like racing games, it's a must play. But I'm not sure it strikes this. It's one of the reasons, the same reason why Forza Horizon doesn't get nominated for Game of the Year, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas these other games do. And it's like, well, why doesn't Forza Horizon? It's it's well loved. It's cr- critically liked. It's commercially successful, right? Like, why isn't Forza Horizon put on the pedestal with all these other big games? And I think just for lack of a better descriptor, it's because it lacks that. Um, I don't even know where I was. I don't even know like exactly what it would be. I think before we've said it because it's. How do we describe this before when we've talked about this with Forza, where we described it as like it it lacks your connection lacks to the emotion, emotional connection, emotional connection where cars the, the, don't the, the character, the character connection to a human thing. Like it doesn't tell a story, right? It's, it's fun to play and it's like the best racing game imaginable and it's available on PC and Xbox and it's, you know, arguably one of their best games and people love it. But I, I think, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it pe- the lack of an emotional core to that, you know, kind of turns it from like a must-have gigantic exclusive like other games on other platforms to just something that if you have access to, you should play it. And I think that's been Xbox's problem for a while is like they don't have that game that that is like you see that and you're like, I need this. Like, mm. I, for example, for me, famously, well, not famously, but I never had a PlayStation 3. During the 360 gen, because I didn't need Famously. one. Well, I was gonna say famous. We've talked about this. We've talked about this on this podcast before. I didn't have a mm. PS3 because I didn't need one, and I, I didn't never. Either. And I never, I never saw a reason to get one because none of the games were really like. They didn't really speak to me when I would see whatever, and it was just like I, I don't need a PlayStation. I'm covered by Xbox. Xbox has Gears of War and Halo, and they got like. Uh, you know, uh, Saints Row and Oblivion and Bioshock. And obviously I was all still neck deep in the achievement stuff, but I felt my needs were covered by, by Xbox and I didn't, I didn't need anything on PlayStation. So I didn't, whatever. And then in 2016, I saw that PlayStation showcase where they were like, here's Shadow of the Colossus. And I was like, oh, Shadow of the Colossus is amazing. And then it was like, here's God of War. And it was the reboot for the first time. And I was like, Oh, that looks really good. And then, oh, here's Spider-Man. And here's Detroit Become Human. And I was like, I want to play those games. And that's when I finally got a PlayStation. I sort of feel like for a long time, Xbox really hasn't hit that with a lot of consumers. Like, have that moment of like, you see this and it's like, I need this because I need that game. I think they're getting there because I think something like Indiana Jones and something like even Starfield... Uh, you know, are along those similar uh, experiences for some, but I think that was not so much them losing talent or hardware because I think the hardware is good. I think it's really just been that the lack of a true, like, must have. I need to get an Xbox, and maybe that's some of that's taken away by the fact that they're on PC. But I think, like, I, I, I think that's like the reason, honestly. 
Um, we have a Dead Planet saying, Pal World being exclusive feels akin to Xbox temporary nabbling, nabbing Fortnite. It almost feels overwhelming in a sense, doesn't it? Very happy accident. Yeah, I'm sure they're very happy yeah. about that. Extremely happy. Yeah, it's um, it's it's intriguing. You know, I suppose like the game will eventually come to PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. Well, if Nintendo wants if it, Nintendo, I mean, I think they. I mean, uh, it's free money. Why wouldn't they want it? Yeah, yeah. I suppose or you so, think they don't want it on um, their platform because they don't want like Pal World will take away from Pokemon essentially. Yeah, maybe. Uh. I I think like probably Nintendo. Or Game Freak or whatever. They'd probably be like, we just need to co-opt everything from this and just make our own. Because uh, that's what that's what people want. They just want a better Pokemon. And that's what Power is giving them right now. Yeah, Seth says, this kind of proves that the deal was all about King. I have not heard any cuts there. I believe there was cuts at King, weren't there? Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Just doesn't know. I could. I. I thought I saw that there was some cuts at King, but there might have been. Yeah, could have been. Could be wrong. LeBurn says maybe someday we'll get Scalebound, Odyssey of a Survival, a new Blizzard survival game with dragons. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah. Uh, Dave says, Jez, could you read a Manscaped commercial with extra emphasis on the physical D, trying to lighten the (laughs) mood with all the layoffs? Uh, Yeah. Thanero says, with Hellblade and Nevada, it seems like these are smaller games by smaller dev teams. I'm wondering if Xbox Game Studio going to have more double A's and triple A's. I mean, I, I think Xbox even calls Hellblade triple A, and I think they even call Avowed triple A, don't they? I um, think so, yeah. I know, I'm pretty sure they call Hellblade triple A. I mean, you're going to have your, 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 you know, your selection of games that are going to be big budget, like Fables, Perfect Darks. Indiana Jones, and then the ones that are kind of like like double A plus thing. Not everything's going to be super triple A because you know there's a lot of people that think now nah, that triple A the triple A industry is unsustainable. Like the budgets have gotten out of control, and you need to mi- mitigate that somehow. Um, mm. I mean, but if I, I you know Hellblade, yeah, I guess maybe because Hellblade has what forty people, fifty people dev team on it probably not that expensive in comparison to other games um because the, the I'll be an interesting an interesting sort of i don't want to say experiment because it's kind of like well it's the game they're making it's yeah it's pro it's proven you know but it'll be interesting to see how well scalebound um scalebound jazz sorry scalebound it'll be interesting to see how well hellblade 2 does in the current economic environment is what I mean. Uh, Humdrug Short says, game, narrative focused, game pass first kind of thing. He says, can't wait to play Hellblade 2 and Nevada on PS5 Switch 2. Man, you're really going for the full third party thing, huh, buddy? I mean, it's probably going to be there. Nah, those two? Nah. Eventually, maybe. Well, I guess you can't say... Well, then it's just like Never. every game, but those two specifically? Probably, probably not. We'll see. Well, we'll see. So you're gonna you're gonna do one of your special Nick things where he's like, "Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice, or wouldn't it be special, or whatever the hell?" Nah, it's just you know, we'll see, bro. We'll see. Right. Um. Yeah. Anything else really happened this week besides these layoffs and besides Power World? I guess there was um. 
ID at Xbox uh, talk. They're launching this thing called uh, Indie Selects, Jez. Did you read anything about this? Yeah, they've they've got basically a new indie selects selection on the store. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of cool. Um, as it's analogous to the the arcade Wednesdays they used to do on the 360, I guess. I think it's kind of cool, but I don't know. Yeah, I, indie I don't know Indie Selects includes a curated, dedicated collection in the Xbox Store featuring indie games chosen by the ID at Xbox team, along with support on our social community channels and even right here on Xbox Wire. In the games section of the Xbox Dash, we now have a permanent hub that showcases indie games we are passionate about. A new collection featuring various channels and rotating themes will go live every Wednesday. It's good because I think I think a lot there there are a lot of indie games that need to be highlighted. And the store is just a never-ending uh, monstrosity of just games every single Tuesday or Thursday. And it's just like, there's so much stuff on there that sometimes it's difficult to find uh, something that's really good, right? Something that's celebrated. Um, you either got to listen to this podcast or other podcasts or read reviews to see like, hey, what's, the, what's a really good indie that came out? So I think it's smart for them to do this. To have like, hey, here's some really, really good indie games from the people who signed them on to uh, bring them to the Xbox platform. Even when I log into my PlayStation, I know my play- PlayStation sort of does this where they're like editors' choices, where they like, oh, these these editors at PlayStation think like these games are the best, and they'll have like selections of them, or whatever. So yeah, I mean. Any any sort of thing that gives that highlights indie games more is good in my opinion. Because there are some really good ones out there that more people need to play. Uh but yeah, let's see. Is there anything anything else? Oh, there was the uh, extra avowed footage, Jez, uh, the avowed interview. Um with X- yeah, the Xbox so, podcast, uh, 25 more minutes of stuff. Wait, did I I know about you're looking forward to avowed and it's sort of I wouldn't say it disappointed you at the direct or maybe you were just more high in Indiana Jones, but I know as someone who's really looking forward to avowed, uh, did you have a chance to check out it, uh, all the extra info and interview? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, my team covered it at least, but they were just kind of talking about how the class structure is a little bit more fluid. You know, it's not, it's not going to be like hard classes. I'm a priest, I'm a mage, I'm a wizard, I'm a warrior, whatever. You can be like, I'm a warrior, but I also use a wand. Or I'm a mage, but I also use a, a bow and arrow or something like that. So it's going to be sort of like a, a dynamic, fluid, build-your-own kind of class system. I think that was like the emphasis of that. Um, PC Gamer have had a lot of... a lot of, Well, they had an interview with the Avowed dev team, and they've, they've broke out a lot of articles about that. So, um, you know, check them out on PC Gamer. It's uh, about sounds like um, if they were talking about as well how they they sort of uh, they rift on Vermintide for the melee yeah for the melee bit. combat yeah which is you know that's a good thing Vermintide has good melee but um, we'll see where it goes man we'll see where it goes I did see there's uh, no sex in the game. Oh shit! Period cancelled. No, no rom- no romance options. Even Power World has romance. Yeah. I, Have you heard about the the controversial, sexy Power World pal? 
No, I haven't. There's a there's a sexy pal world, pal. So in the pal world, palpedia, whatever it's called, it's like a, an encyclopedia of all the pals, right? Entry number sixty nine. I can't remember the name of the pal, but it's like it looks like a pink kangaroo with love hearts, and um, and uh, and sort of like. In the description, he says, "This pal got tired." <laughs> Joe Repco in the chat says, "Jez, don't do it." Uh, it, says, <laughs> it says in the description of this pal, he says, "This pal got bored of sleeping with other pals and now wants to sleep with humans." <laughs> what is this game? Rand speechless. I I don't know what to say anymore. Uh, it's called L- Love Love Lander or Love Mancer or something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so Pal World has Pal cannibalism, Pal slavery in sweatshops, and also Pal a creepy pervy pal that wants to put you in bed, bro. Mm. I did I I did see the Pokemon mod for uh, Pal World did get shut down, right? Yes, it did, and Nintendo's lawyers were not happy about that one. Yeah, I, of course. Um, trying to think, what else? Uh, oh, what else happened this week was iOS is now going to allow cloud streaming apps. So you might see yeah. Xbox uh, Cloud Gaming as an actual app instead of a on the browser, because the CMA was reopening in their investigation, and iOS and Apple was just like, no, no, we'll allow. So I think you'll you'll see Nvidia GeForce on there and whatever cloud gaming stuff on. Is that does that make? You so I'm curious, man. I'm curious about this because it's kind of like Xbox X Cloud is already at capacity right now. Mm-hmm. Like the la- the last few days, you try and play X Cloud, um, you get a queue because everyone's trying to play Pal World for it, right? Um, so like, if they add iOS into the equation, isn't that just going to blow up the queues even more? It's kind of like, do they? need ios right now before they've actually added more servers i don't know but we'll see i mean it's obviously it's a good thing i suppose it depends on server capacity and stuff like that um and also speaking of xcloud today as tom warren pointed out on twitter there's a new xbox insider program for xcloud which is the first time they've done that so if you go to the xbox insider hub you can now sign in and sign up to, whoa, get access to, um, Rand, can you hear me? I'm listening. I'm listening. My graphics card, I think I might be about to blue screen. My graphics card is freaking out. That was really weird. Um, but yeah, sorry about that. I, that was so weird. Like my whole screen just went crazy and glitchy. Which is not that does not bode well, but um, but yeah, there's a new there's a new cloud gaming inside a program, so that should be something cool coming up. All right. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I think that's really it. Uh, let's take a let's go to the the Patreon questions for the week. So if you guys are enjoying the show, make sure you uh, make sure you hit the like button, subscribe if you haven't already. And uh, let's get some of these questions. Nate Miller, what do you guys see as the future of live service games? I was 
perusing the Xbox catalog recently, and between all the live service and MMOs, I was thinking about how many more live service games we will actually get. I doubt it will be that many. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree with you. You don't really see a lot of live service stuff in development. I know Sony has their big live service push, which maybe got scaled back. Um, and even a lot of the Microsoft games that are being made were a lot of single-player-focused stuff because they do have a lot of live service stuff already in existence. There's only so many people, and there's only so much time. And I, I sort of feel like the ones that are, that are entrenched are entrenched for good. It's going to be hard to replace any of those. Yeah. So... I don't really know what the future of live service looks like. Um, yeah, I tell you what, it, I tell you now what it looks like. What it do you looks think it like looks like? Mobile phones. Ew. It looks like Diablo Immortal. No. It looks like yeah, it does. No. It looks like Diablo Immortal. It looks like Genshin. It looks like Gacha. It looks like mobile. It looks like Elder Scrolls Castles. It looks like mobile games. And Microsoft keeps saying it like the, their their growth vector is mobile. So, like, don't be surprised if you start seeing more mobile games being produced out of Microsoft. And not just outsourced, but produced internally. I mean, sure, I, I would see that. But I don't necessarily see you would see that on, like, the Xbox store on PC or console, though. You know mm, what I mean? Well, you know, if this hybrid console they're making... Well, maybe that, but, in. like, Elder Scrolls Castles isn't suddenly going to be on the Xbox store, Right. It's not Gears Pop yeah, never came over. Maybe. I don't know. Well, Gears Pop was terrible. So. Well, I'm just saying, you don't really... like why Candy Crush? Why isn't Candy Crush on the console? Good question. Why isn't it? I don't know. There has to be reasons maybe, for maybe it. it should, maybe it should be, bro. Well, I'm just saying, there has to be reasons for it. But, yeah, yeah I think I think... I think there's just... The games that are already there... Are just so entwined with how with, with how people play now that it's going to be very difficult to dislodge those gamers to get them to really try anything else. So I think companies are going to shy away from it. And we've seen a a lot of games. I think it was like last year, halfway through last year, where all of a sudden it seemed like the live service bubble bust popped because so we were seeing like the smaller live service games suddenly get discontinued. You know, like Rumbleverse or Knockout City or whatever. I can't even remember all the other ones at the top of my head. It just, it really seems yeah. like that is a very, that is a very dangerous and risky thing to chase after, right? Everybody was chase. everybody wanted their, their own Fortnite, yeah. right? And they're like, we'll just go after this. But I just don't think there's, there's the, the user base, right? And you, you, to get people to move off of Fortnite, you have to like, I remember reading somewhere you have to be eight times better than the current thing that that person's using for them to get them to switch, you know? And it's just really not going to happen. So the future life service just may be as it is until it dies out. And maybe something, maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe the future of life service is, is, is what Pal World has showed us. Survival plus something else. In early access. In early access. And that's, that's the new life service stuff. Yep. Uh, Silas says good day aliens have invaded earth drawn to our planet by the vocal stylings of Jez and Rand they call into the podcast and ask a question that will define their knowledge of interactive entertainment you are each asked by the alien horde to give them one game that best defines what is a video game 
What best game distills the essential elements of gaming into a single product? Hmm. Mm. I'm going to give him Halo. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show him what we do to the aliens. You know what I mean? Man. I'd show him Pal World. You're going to show him Pal World? Really? Is that, is yeah, that really the game you're going to... like? Okay. Are you going to show him a game, game where, you, where you enslave pals to do your own work for you? Well, I mean, we do that. We do that as a species. Yeah. Do we not enslave the chickens and the cows? I suppose. Do we not enslave the the horses to be to be ridden and so on? God, that's, that's deep and philosophical, bro. Yeah. Uh, Captain Logan in chat says, "Doki Doki Literature, literature Cover." That'd be a good one. Golden Eye Moonlighter. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of suggestions in the chat. The future is the future of life services. Foam stars says the uh, Salithida. Foam Salithida. stars. Foam mm. stars. The future of life services. Foams. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, what game would I really show them? Um, maybe Mass Effect. How we could live peacefully with aliens, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mass Effect, great game. I think, I think your Amalus said the right one. It's Tetris, man. Tetris? Yeah, Tetris would be a good one. Good old Euromalus. He, 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 would, he mean, would get that. Tetris would be a great one. Or geometry, a musical one, right? Like a, some music game, maybe? Yeah. Well, like, ge- geometry is, is going to be a universal language, right? So, like, an alien would understand the concept of putting geometric blocks into the right position. No, 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 no language, le- no language needed. True. No, I, I wouldn't I didn't be surprised even... if an alien civilization has their own version of Tetris. I, I, I did, I did think that. I did. Well, no, I, I didn't even think of those type of games where mm. you don't necessarily like. Yeah, okay, to enjoy Mass Effect, you might have to understand the English language, and the aliens would be like, "What's this?" But Maybe they would intuitively understand because they got Tetris. Universal but what? If, but what if? But what if there are species that never really uh, like evolved with you know uh, shapes like that, bro? And they wouldn't if understand. Got, if they've got intergalactic travel, they've got not necessarily basic man. shapes. Not, what, if, what if they're blind? What if they see by other means? You know, if they're blind, then. We've got a problem with regards to playing games, right? True. Um, you'd have to pick a game that was really friendly for not having vision and as the most excellent sightless combat has taught us, Killer Instinct is the right game in that scenario. Killer Instinct. Um, Earth Defense Force, man. You should show EDF. aliens Earth Defense Force. EDF. Fighting off giant bugs and ants and spiders and stuff. AJ says Rand would show them a trending physical dick. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are just too mean. You guys are just... What was that? Was that your laugh? (laughs) That was my my tired Jimmy Carr laugh. (laughs) Oh, Jimmy Carr? (laughs) Yeah, when I browse browse, uh, YouTube shorts sometimes, his his, skits will come up. He's really funny. Oh, man. He's a funny dude. Jimmy Jimmy Carr is hilarious. He's hilarious. And he gets heck, heckled by people in the crowd, and he just like turns it on him, and like, oh yeah, it's hilarious. He's good brilliant. stuff. Jimmy so, Carr is watch good his, stuff. Watch his panel shows, man. Watch eight out of ten cats. There's a really famous bit they do called the the what's it called? It's called the carrot game or something. Mm. 
Super famous. Watch that. It's hilarious. It was Sean Locke. Brilliant. Rest in peace, Sean Locke. Chaz says, Rain, do you have a job outside of YouTube? Yes. What did you do before YouTube? I was an electrician. Uh, right now, I'm currently Jazz's assistant. <laughs> pays me big money. True yeah, that. but I had a whole bunch of jobs. I think the worst, the worst one I obviously ever had was like KFC. That was my first job. Working at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I did like chicken. construction, which I'm almost loath to tell this story because it'll give me a new nickname and I don't want this nickname. So I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> I'm not going to tell this story. Maybe it may, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll tell you off air, Jez. Okay. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to say it live to the thousands upon, upon thousands of people that will eventually hear this because okay. it, it would become my new nickname and I hated it. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, but you can't tell anybody. Okay. Mm. And then electrician okay. for a while. That was fun. Although I eventually didn't like it, but yeah. Um, Lazar Wolf. He says you can play only one single player franchise for the rest of your life, including future installments. What are you, what are you picking? Hmm. What would you pick jazz? One single player franchise for the rest of your life, including any future games. Hmm. Hmm. That's tough. I mean, Baldur's Gate doesn't count now, does it? Because it's got multiplayer. Well, I guess you could though... you just not enable the, the the multiplayer. You could play single player. Resident Evil. I'll just I'll just say Resident Evil. I think Lar- Larian is just gonna do good stuff i think they're keep going to keep doing good stuff and boulder's gate is presuming they do a boulder's gate 4 you know i think they're going to carry that franchise so i'm going to say boulder's gate what if they're the ones that take over the knights of the old republic remake god damn that could be really interesting yeah um monkey versus tramp says hi guys a normal question this week for me there's been a lot of discussion around whether pal world dev used ai in their development my question for you both, if AI can help speed up development process and retain the quality gaming experience we would expect depending on gaming genre, is it such a bad thing for the future of game development? Thoughts? I think the the the, the end of the discussion about AI is that it should be additive and support devs and shouldn't take any jobs away. Mm. That's the ideal scenario. So like I think using AI to support the work devs are doing is a good thing. And to be honest, they're all a lot a lot of programmers are already using it. You know, visual code co copilot and uh, GitHub copilot and stuff like that. All the various co- programming um all the various programming copilots make coding uh, easier process. And also there's like, you know, there's already machine learning being used in gaming anyway. You know, like stuff like Photoshop generative fill and stuff like that. Um, that are kind of subtle, subtle things without actually designing things outright by AI. AI definitely has a role to play, but it needs to be, it needs to be additive, not, not detrimental. I'm okay with it personally. I don't, I don't agree with the, the widespread, just I hate AI and that's it. Full stop. 
you know. Mm. AI is going to have a role to play, and it should have a role to play. And it could make video games cheaper to produce, which hopefully will mean less layoffs, not more. But maybe that's naive. I don't know. But in this case, the the acquisition was it used AI to basically copy Pokemon's, right? Not necessarily that it used AI to create the game. Yeah, that's proven untrue. But, I mean... They did not use AI to make this. I would be for AI if it can help people be more efficient and could essentially reduce the timetables it would be to create future games uh but also at the same time i know uh companies will use it to reduce uh their headcounts so they can save money and that's something i wouldn't want so one way it's good the other way it's bad and i wouldn't not want the bad part but you know somebody will you know somebody's gonna do it just to try just to see if they can and Hopefully, if they do, it's recognizable and it just bombs and it's a bad game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's the sort of yeah. thing I, I I at least can look to and be like, AI books, awful, right? Not saying that every every a book a human has written is great because that's clearly not the case. But it's like, ha- has there any been like a really good AI book? I've seen like people ask AI questions and it's, you know, like the answers it give is just nonsensical sometimes or just kind of circular I, logic right yeah i tried to i tried to get ai to generate me a youtube video script from an article that i'd written and i, I wrote i wrote in the i wrote in it generate me an article uh, generate me a, a youtube video script based on this article and this article alone and the information in this article and it just ignored me and he was pulling information from all of the different places and it was just injecting information about a game that I wasn't even talking about, you know. So it's just like <laughs> it's got a long way to go, you know, before before it's actually something that can threaten people's jobs. But we'll see. Um, you know the thing about AI, I briefly want to bring up. But did you see the Taylor Swift AI stuff trending on Twitter the last couple of days? Yeah, it's just there's there's been a big. I mean, the Taylor Swift stuff was bad enough, but there was a big news story here in the UK where a 14-year-old girl had committed suicide because the guys at her school had AI-generated pictures of her, indecent pictures of her. Right. It's a huge, it's a huge thing in the UK right now. Well, and it's yeah. like... I even it's, saw something it's, like... It's going to get worse. Taylor Swift's considering, like, you know, her legal options against the website, Right. Think it's like yeah. a deep fake AI website, and you know, it, very, very. Some of them were very explicit, and there needs there needs to be legislation. And it's one of those things where you look at the picture and you're like, that does look like Taylor Swift a little bit, even though you can see some of the where the things AI gets wrong, right? It's yeah. like, Well, but yeah, I mean, she's, yeah, you know, don't don't fuck with Taylor Swift. Maybe maybe she's the one that'll bring reg- regulation to AI. Uh, angry, angry gnome says with the snail speed of rollout of updates on PC game pass and even the Microsoft store compared to steam, are they going to get a better system to these updates? I feel it's keeping them from evolving, evolving the ecosystem. They want to implement on PC power world dev recently shed light on this process. Oh, about Microsoft's long drawn out certification process for their stuff. Yeah. That's been a thing forever. Well, yeah, it's just 
it's just the way Xbox does things, you know. Yeah, I don't really see anything changing, but it's been like that since like the 360 days, and it's just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lee Sanders says, with the chatter on achievements review coming up again, I was curious what you guys would love to come to the platform. I personally love the stats side and would love for them to go more into this. Being able to see more of my whole gaming career and celebrate achievements across the board in my profile. Perhaps a section where I can pin my favorite games and rating. Yes, the Platinum Achievement would be great, but what do you think would be a great addition to the Xbox ecosystem? The Platinum Achievement. Come on. That's all I really care about. The other stuff, I don't particularly care about. Like, I don't really care about pinning a favorite game or whatever. Like, I know other people do, but all I really care about is give me, like, an achievement for, like, completing everything in the game. All the other stuff, I would say, is tertiary, secondary, right? Tertiary. Yeah, to me, the only thing I really care about is that Platinum Achievement. Could they do more? Of course they could mo- could do more. And maybe it's one of those things where I don't even know what I want until I get it. But, you know, if they said to me, would you like to be able to pin a game? I'd be like, not really. I, I wouldn't really care about that. Or pinning some of my favorite achievements? No, like not really. Uh, but if they say, hey, you want a Platinum Achievement? Absolutely. You know, but they're the ones that kind of come up with it. So, uh, is there anything you would want to see? Because I know you don't really care about that. I'm not. I'm not super interested in achievement systems and stuff like that. Like, if they bring more stuff and features, then that'd be cool. It'd be cool if like they um they uh gave you like avatar benefits or like cosmetic yeah. benefits. They, and they, they there were games, games that had that, like that where if you got an achievement you yeah, would get back in av- the day. But the avatars have been kind of pushed off to the side. Um now like no nobody really uses them. They're not really promoted or highlighted. So I feel like unless you were planning on bringing back the avatars to the forefront, there'd be no reason to do that, you know? Yeah. And I, I know some devs like, oh, achievement, like uh, maybe like concept art would tie to that stuff, but it, it feels like people didn't care about that either. So I'm not sure how much you really can do with that stuff. Like, yeah, like numbers is cool. Seeing a rare achievement. Maybe they need to do a breakdown of, of, of different rarities other than just a regular achievement and a rare achievement. Maybe there needs to be like, you know, this is... I know PlayStation does it, but like PlayStation has common, uncommon, and I forget the other, like maybe there needs to be more than just a regular achievement and rare where there's different categories of them. Maybe those need to be highlighted on your profile. Like it says, when you look at me and it's like Randall Thor 19, 1.3 million gamer score. And then it says like 5,000 rare achievements or something. Where he's like, oh, damn, you know, you, you have a lot or whatever completed number of games. Like, there's things they could do with that. I, I do like seeing the the completion percentage when you get an achievement. It's like 0.3%. You know, I do like that aspect of it. But I'm not sure how much more they can delve down into it to give you more uh, of, of that experience. You know? Yeah. True Achievements does a lot of that right now as, like, you can go on there and you can can sort of have all that at your fingertips really but i know a lot of people want it on the console so achievement says you have the rest of your life to play one generation only no remasters just the new games released ps3 360 gen or ps4 xbox one gen 
Uh, I would probably choose the 360 gen because it's my favorite gen. I'd pick the Xbox One gen. Okay, fair enough. How, any reason why? I mean, Monster Hunter. <laughs> Monster Hunter? <laughs> what, there weren't any Monster Hunters on the 360 PS3 gen? I mean, there was no Monster Hunter World. I don't think Monster. I don't think there was Monster Hunter on Xbox back then. I don't think there was Monster Hunter on PS3 either. Wasn't it like mostly a Nintendo DS game back then? I don't Maybe know. Maybe I'm tripping. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Tricks are for Trey says so. So guys, how do you feel about Xbox after this round of layoffs and having two huge leads depart Blizzard? I mean, doesn't feel great, right? Oh, feels bad. Feels bad, man. It feels bad, man. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about it at length about how we feel about it. Sucks for the team, sucks for the people, but you know, it's it's business, business gonna business, capitalism gonna capitalism, right? Just gotta hope for better times for everyone involved. Yeah. Uh, good O'Connell says, "Good weekend, Random Jazz." It's tough to ask question about games in the shadow of the mass layoffs at Microsoft. It's not easy to say that this was something that was foretold after the completion of the acquisition of ABK, if you or someone you know is affected by the layoffs. I'll ask instead a question about the podcast, specifically Xbox 2 plus 1. I know you're always looking for the plus 1. Any thoughts as to finding someone outside of the Xbox community to talk about gaming in general? Someone from, say, one of the other console communities for PlayStation, for example, would be Mr. Badbit. We've actually had Mr. Badbit on Xbox 2 plus 1. Yeah, we've we've spoken to Mr. Badbit, and we also spoke to Colin Moriarty last summer. Yep. About PlayStation, Xbox, and stuff. So we do do it. Um, we maybe we need to do it more. Uh, for Nintendo, we'll do John Downey from Spawnwave. Um, I mean, we had John on to talk about Xbox. We didn't necessarily talk about Nintendo because I'm not really interested in Nintendo. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we, maybe we could have like Nate the Hate on to talk about, you know, Xbox and Nintendo down the road or something. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we've had PlayStation guys on and or even like, you know, uh some someone that doesn't even really have like just um a uh like you wouldn't classify as one from one cap or the other. But yeah, for sure, like um it's just a matter of who the Patreons want and who's available cuz not everybody's going to be available at the times we do it and stuff. But yeah, we're always looking for cool people to talk to. Yeah. Right, you know, we're even trying to be like we need to get a we need to get a woman like a chick, you know. But it's yeah. it's it's like I don't you know who you know. But yeah, uh, 09C Mine says, "Hey guys, hope you're doing well. As hard as it is to think about considering what happened, do you think there will be any positives from all this mass layoffs in the industry? As terrible as it is for so many people to lose their jobs, certainly it must have some impact other than cost gunning. Any positives?" I don't think so. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's not really appropriate to think of positives. I mean, the the only positive, I suppose, is like the f- doing this now and making sure the business stays healthy prevents even more layoffs down the line. That's the only, only real positive you can really think of. Because maybe if they don't take things seriously and keep things efficient effective whatever you want to call it efficient um maybe xbox gets into trouble and we see even worse layoffs you know 
So that's like the only vague kind of positive thing you could take from this. Is that hopefully it means that there'll be less, not more down the line. Yeah. Uh, Omen says, do you think Project Odyssey was the only game cancelled during these layoffs? Personally, these layoffs make me worried for State of Decay 3, Perfect Dark, and Everwild. I think if they were announced games, I think they would announce that they were cancelled. Yes. And that's part of the reason why I think the, they announced that the Blizzard game had been cancelled because it had been announced. Right? Yeah. If it wasn't announced and if it was just a project... We wouldn't have heard about it because projects get canceled all the time. Yeah, I um, I mean, I could try and find out the status of some of these games. You know, like I asked about Contraband. Is Contraband still still in production? But I think like they they let us know. Sorry, they let us know if if things were going awry. Yeah, State of Decay Three is the only game Undead Labs is working on. You know, right. So no, I I think if those if I think if announced game was canceled, they would have they would have uh, said so in the thing. Uh, Billy the Brewer says, "What's up, guys? I don't have a question. Just wanted to shout out all the cool peeps in the Xbox Two Discord. Yeah, Discord's always popping." Fantastical yeah. says, "What is the most satisfying sounding gaming for you? Stomping the shit out of Necromorphs as Isaac Clark is probably my favorite. The heavy stomping sounds combined with the way he yells is pure dopamine for me." It's pretty good, but you know, you know what mine is? The achievement unlock sound, probably. <laughs> you know, it is. It's so satisfying, dude. You know, like I'll just, what I, I'll I'll just say it. it's just, it's so satisfying. And the, 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 the rare achievement sound too. Oh, jeez, love a, it. That's a cool sound. That's a cool sound. Do you know what my satisfying sound is? What? The activation sound from Silent Hill One, like the the like the, it's like. Boop. Oh, I thought you were talking <laughs> about like the 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 siren they use when it switches from the no, no, regular no, 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 world no, no. to the. I just, I'm just talking about the menu. Oh, when okay. you when you click on something in the menu, it goes. Boop, boop. Kind of. All right, boop. all right. I've got that as my ringtone notification. <laughs> I, I did not know that. Boop. SJ Dub says, hey, Jez and Rand, I don't have a gaming question this week because I know everyone will be asking about ABK, but have there been any good movies and shows that you've seen lately? I'm also looking for recommendations on things to watch. Have a great weekend, fellas, and stay strong, Jez. Well, I've started watching a TV show on Netflix called Blue-Eyed Samurai. I did. I watched Blue-Eyed Samurai. It's great. Uh, yeah. Did you? How, how far are you? I'm only in episode one, but it's very cool. I'm yeah. really intrigued, and I'm going to watch more. I just finished um, season four of For All Mankind on Apple TV. Um, it is a show, it is an alternate history show about what happens if the Russians were the first ones to land on the moon and not, not the Americans. Oh. Um, that at least is like basically the setup of the show in season Wait. one. American didn't land on the moon. That's fake news, bro. Fake news, but yeah. Uh, I they, thought, used AI, they used AI to generate the moon. I thought it was really good, so I'd recommend For All Mankind. I also watched, uh, like I said, Blue Eye Samurai on Netflix was great. I watched Scavenger's Reign on Max, which was an, an animation, but it was basically about uh, people that were stranded on an alien planet. 
And I thought that was really well done. Uh, I watched the uh, last season, season three of uh, Only Murders in the Building, which I thought was very funny. I, I don't know. I, li- I I really like Only Murders in the Building. Um, the Bear on Hulu. Probably the best so show on television. TV, what? You watch so much TV. I mean, do, you know, do you know what I mind to watch? But, but that's we're talking about like, you know, I watched The Bear last year or whatever. Like, I, it's not like I watched, watched it recently, but I'm trying to get bear. people to watch The Bear. So watch The Bear, you know? Bear. The Bear. You should watch, watch The bear. bear. Too long didn't watch. Do you know what I watch? What? I watch the YouTube channel, Scary Interesting. Interesting. What's it about? And Lazy, and lazy Masquerade. It's just true crime and mm. horrible, mysterious disappearances, unsolved mysteries. And then I watch it and then I get so scared that I can't sleep properly. And that's what I'm up on. Now. So as for like what I'm planning to watch, um, I'm going to want to watch the new, the, new, the new True Detective season when it finishes. Because I don't watch anything while it's airing unless it's Wheel of Time. Uh, so I, I'm gonna watch True Detective when it finishes. I gotta watch season two of Foundation on Apple TV, and I think I gotta watch uh, What We Do in the Shadows. I think they just finished their season five. Was I quite like that show as well? I'm sure there's other shows I'm, I'm I have like saved or whatever. Cause I, oh, I also did watch Reacher season two. Um, which I would recommend Reacher. I, I did think Reacher Season 1 was better, uh, but Reacher Season 2 was still good. Uh, Diego Huerta says, Sup, guys, this is me just speculating, but I feel like Microsoft is going to be a lot more hands-on with Xbox and ABK now that they see it as serious money-making for them. I hope I'm wrong. I feel that Xbox is at its best when Phil and team are allowed to do what they believe is the best for the brand. Also, how in the world do you cancel a Blizzard survival game when the biggest game right now and probably for the gen... It's basically a Pokemon survival game. Instantly. Insanity. Love to hear guys' thoughts. Yeah, I mean, there must... I mean, it's kind of like what J- Jason Schreier's report um, goes in, in depth about, like, the issues surrounding the game, the engine, and the fact that it probably still had two or three years more dev time necessary, you know. Um... So, we can only speculate really as to the problems with it, but clearly they just thought this is not. I mean, Rand described it as sunk cost fallacy. Maybe it's just it just got too expensive, and maybe they just thought it's better that we focus on the games that we have out right now that need help. Diablo needs help. Overwatch needs help. World of Warcraft's in a good place and and is in a strong trajectory. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say, like, oh, man, how could you cancel a survival game when look what Pal World's doing? Uh, but, you know, the jury's still out on uh, Pal World being a flash in the pan. And, you know, uh, how, if three years, is, that, is the Blizzard game, when it releases, would it have been really good? Would it have just been seen as an also-ran? I don't, I don't know. But maybe, like, just, maybe it's canceled because, like, it just would have cost too much money. Maybe they need help on other projects. Um, although this does feel like they integrated ABK a lot faster than they ever did with Bethesda. You know what I mean? Right? Mm-hmm. Like Bethesda, you didn't see this. Like they do this with ABK. They get rid of 
you know, the people or for, you know, cost cutting measures or redundancies. And it's just like cancel a game. Like we didn't see that with Bethesda, even though maybe we should have seen it with Redfall. Um, I wonder if they learned their mistakes from Bethesda with the first time through. So they're trying to do it better this time. Um, I don't know, but uh, yeah, them canceling them canceling Odyssey was really the only thing that super surprised me because I was like, really? I, I can't believe they canceled that game. Like Yabar leaving, I didn't think was a surprise. Um, I guess you can say that it was a surprise by how many people got laid off, but we knew it was happening. I just we just didn't know the breadth of it. But Odyssey getting canceled, I thought was like a shock. And Sierra11 Kevin, he says, Hi guys, since a large portion of the layoffs related to ABK, do you believe this would have been planned as part of the acquisition and how they would have sold it to the board? Or do you believe it was more of a recent decision to do so? And do you feel this will impact future acquisitions now with regulatory bodies? I mean, I've heard all kinds of stuff like, you know, speculation that this was already planned regardless of any acquisition from Microsoft. I mean, Destin posted comments from Activision before the acquisition saying, like, if um, if we're not acquired, then it's going to be worse. There's going to be, like, like, strongly hinting that there'll be big layoffs and stuff like that. We can only, like, speculate, really. I mean, I do think it's strange that Phil went on stage at BlizzCon, did all those photo ops with the team, and shook Mike's hand, and then we've had this kind of whiplash effect. Where like Blizzard, Blizzard fans and also customers and then employees had this optimism, and Microsoft knew they had this optimism, and then this happened. So I'm just increasingly wondering, like, is this, you know, was this something that they decided after that, or did Microsoft do that knowing full well they were going to lay off nineteen hundred people, you know? It's it's a conundrum, but maybe we'll never know for sure. Yeah, and as far as future future acquisitions, will it have any impact? Mm, maybe, especially if they bring up like workers' rights and stuff, and they may be like, "Oh, well, you said you weren't." I, I don't know. I don't know if they promised they weren't going to lay people off to the regulatory bodies. I don't think they would have, but I uh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Let's see if there's any any more late questions that came in while I had this thing open. Let me see. Uh, no, I think that's it. Yeah. So yeah, um, Humdrunk says in the super chat, "I'm more upset over third party over. I'm more upset over the third party over layoffs." Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. This has been episode 301 of the Xbox 2. Hopefully you had a good time. If you did, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe. And, uh, yeah, I hope everybody has a good weekend. Weekend. Uh, what are you going to be playing, Jazz? More more Pal World? You're going to be playing uh, Pokemon because you got nine more months, ten more months, eleven more months. You got to finish it by the end of the year. What if I finish Persona 5 before you? Hmm? Yeah, it's not gonna happen. What, no, seriously. What if I do? What if I do finish? What if I actually start playing Persona Five and finish it before you? There would have to be Dude, some consequences. Persona is basically, Pokemon. Man. There would there would have to be consequences for that, wouldn't there? You won't. You won't. No. You won't. You're so sure. 
I'm so, I'm 100% sure you will not finish okay. Persona before me or even play it. Okay, fair enough. Cuz it's po- it's Pokémon with demons. Bro. That sounds that sounds cool. What about Persona 3? Pokémon with demons, bro. Hmm. As well. All right. Well, anyways, guys, I hope you have a good rest of the weekend. And we'll be back on Friday, February 2nd with another episode of the xbox 2 hopefully xbox has got good news next week um but until then uh thank you guys for being here and uh keep it gaming later yeah later everybody ah mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.